Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wherever you want to assign blame, you're not going to get arguments from either of us. Alongside Brendan King, I'm Jimmy Cook. Welcome inside the fan. Forget about two Lombardis in the next decade type of history. You got a new banner you can hang from the rafters of Lucas Oil Stadium. Largest choke job in NFL history as the Colts collapse to the Vikings in overtime in what is just such a fitting and poetic achievement for what has been pretty much, for the most part, a dumpster fire of a season, BK. Couldn't couldn't have scripted it better myself. Jimmy, can we get a Colts playoff update? (laughs) They're still in it. They're still. They, they, they can't. Are you serious? Yes, yes. Because uh, the I Titans, thought the Titans lost. The Titans they, suck. They were, they were. They were out. They are not out. They're not out yet. They're not out yet. Because okay. the Titans okay. suck. All right. Well, then in that case, then and Eddie, I appreciate you ever being the voice of optimism. Let me let me do it here, BK. You can you can join me if you want on this. Uh, I told you this last week. I felt this way for the last six weeks. It's over. It's over. It was a fun time. We had a great couple of jokes last week about three percent chance to the playoffs and all that. It's awesome. It's done over other news today Jonathan Taylor likely done for the season awesome do Matt Ryan next please do Matt Ryan next let's move on let's put the chapter behind us it's done finite done that's it and if you needed to know anything else about Jeff Saturday as a coach or what this group could possibly do because I know I was calling for them to lose last week but I also told you that these are grown-ass men that are fighting for their jobs throughout not just this season but beyond NFL teams more often than not don't just lay down and quit, okay? They don't do it because they understand that there might not be a tomorrow for them. Maybe some of the upper tier guys, but guys in the trenches and the margins, they don't do it. They don't lay down and quit. So I'm not going to come out here and say, oh, the Colts, they just gave up and they they quit on Sunday. No, they didn't. They got super conservative. And, oh, by the way, it turns out your offense isn't as successful when you're not starting from the opposing team's 30 every drive. Who knew that you're not going to put up points automatically when you have to go 70 yards instead of 35? It's not what happened. They didn't quit yesterday. They told you basically who they were, which is a group of, I don't know if misfit toys is the right word, but when you throw an interim head coach in there that's never coached before, this is kind of what you get. And I'm not even going to fault them for going for it on fourth and one late. I thought that was the right move. You're, you have nothing left to play for. This is not a playoff team. Put the game away there. Matt Ryan couldn't get the extra half yard at, or half inch, whatever it was. Not mad about that. That's not my issue. My issue is that they went vanilla, they got soft down the stretch, and it's unfortunate that they got such a big lead so early because it magnifies all the flaws of this team, all the praise we gave that defense last week, and the defense has gotten all season about how they're a Super Bowl-caliber defense. No, no, they're not. There's deeper flaws in the defense than we realized, and the offense is what the offense is, which is you don't start them from their own 35 that then you're not going to put up points on the board. Matt, the Jeff Saturday experiment. That's your. That is your headline. Is largest collapse in NFL history. Goodbye. Be a consultant. Thank you for everything. I don't want you anywhere near the staff next year. Largest comeback in NFL history. The best tank job in NFL history. That's a great question. Depends which side of the tinfoil you're on. Well, if it means Bryce Young's going to end up in a Colts uniform, You'll then I'll it. wear yeah. the tinfoil. Look, Jimmy. I do think there was some quit. Yesterday, I, I I can't say I don't think there was no quit because when you lose by 
a 33-point margin and they come back to win in that margin, I, I don't think that's just, uh, hey, the better team got the W today. Do you think there's a difference between intentionally quitting and being broken? Because I, I think I, they were more broken yesterday or two days ago than they were gave up. I think sure. that they, they, they it's been a long season and they had their souls broken sure. by Kirk Cousins sure. and company. Sure. It was a broken game yesterday, but you don't blow a 33-point lead and not have the sense of, hey, guys, we're doing great on the sideline right yeah. now. <laughs> All right. There's a sense of, oh, God, yeah, we're screwed, and there's nothing we can do about it. Maybe that's a brokeism. Maybe that's a, we stink. I think it's a, guys, we have no shot. It's over. We're mailing it in. I don't know when it happened either, because in the postgame comments, Jeff Saturday said he told his football team at halftime that, hey, they have the potential to do this. It's like, Jeff, why the hell are you saying that? You're put, that's a loser's mentality, brother. A, a third, You don't say that. You go into the locker room and you say, good-ass half, guys. Now go do it again and step on their throats. You don't say that they have the ability to go come back. Jimmy, I don't let Eddie chime in here in a second. The state of the Indianapolis Colts as we know them is over. Everything that we know about the Colts is done. It's over. Jim say th- there is no coming back from this. As you said, if Jeff Saturday wants a consultant job, you can have it. If Jeff Saturday wants to go back to ESPN and chop it up with Greenberg and Orlovsky and Stephen A., he can have it. Chris Ballard, brother... I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that booth yesterday. I mean, if the reports that I've been hearing about the stressful season that Ballard has had in the booth, I I couldn't even imagine what yesterday was like for Chris Ballard. Everything that we know about the Colts is over. It's time to clean house. It's time to start over because this is a dumpster fire. And yesterday, Jimmy, here's my question to you, and then we'll get to Eddie. How many worse losses... In franchise history, have the Colts had over the last calendar year? Jacksonville to end last year. Jacksonville this year. New England this year. And now this crap. I, I count four, you could probably call it at the time, worst losses in franchise history. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue against those four. I'm also not going to pretend like that I, like, I'm, I know there were bad seasons here. Pre Manning, but in terms of still having expectations, the, the, yeah. it, 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 you have to quantify that into the conversation. We're, this was supposed to be a playoff team, Jimmy. As of even as recently as three or four weeks ago, when they beat the Raiders, they're still legitimate playoff hope alive. Yes. Uh, when you have, All you, you have, have to, to do is win that. one game last year and yep. you blew it. Yep. Against All the lowly Jaguars who are about to win the South. We told you that last week. Watch out for Jacksonville. All you had to do was be better. Then Doug Peterson's team, because Tennessee, they're stinking up the joint down there. They have zero weapons other than Derrick Henry. Nothing. Zero. Their quarterback's old. Their backup quarterback can't play. Houston stinks. All you had to do was be better than Jacksonville, Eddie. I think the whole collapse, and I give credit to Kevin for pointing this out on our latest pod. I think that is now up for Kevin's corner. He said the collapse started with that two-minute drive to end the first half. You're in the, I don't know if you were in the red zone, you're, you, you were certainly in the high red zone against Minnesota, and you call five straight runs to end the first half. 
that is a losing mentality. That is a loser's mentality of we're just going to bleed the clock and we're going to hope and we are going to pray that we can hold on and win the football game. And then don't even get me started at the end of the third quarter because when you look at that third quarter, that final drive for the Colts in the third, they run the ball on first down with a minute and five seconds left. They need to run one more play. One play and the clock hits zeros for the third quarter. Instead, on second down and seven, they pass the football. Clock stops, 25 seconds to go. You pass it again on third down and seven. Incomplete pass, clock stops. So now you just gave the Minnesota Vikings an extra minute to two minutes of offense to work within the fourth quarter. I started doing the math about right right as they got the uh, C.J. Ham run to make it 36-14 with a minute and 13 left in the ball or in the third. I'm doing the math of okay, this Colts offense can't do anything. They've proven that throughout the year and yes, they've had scoring drives today, but a lot of it was either block punt action, pick six or great field position. That's basically how all their scoring drives happen, particularly with the field goals. Outside of that, zippity doo dah. So the math is okay, how many how much can the Colts bleed the clock here versus how quickly the Vikings can score? And they were able to take that 36-14 deficit and score 22 unanswered over a final quarter of football, which is about the math. I was, all right, they're going to have a shot at this. Not only did they they have a shot at it, they had an opportunity to make that run, convert a two-point conversion, and then both teams, over time, Brennan, you and I were both speaking into existence. I think I saw JMV doing the same thing. If we're being just truly havocky, the game deserved a tie. Like that, that, that game on, on all fronts, the Vikings sleepwalking like most teams do against the Colts that are of higher status. The Chiefs did it earlier this year. It bit them in the butt. Colts got them. Today, not so much. Or Saturday, not so much. But I wanted a tie. I wanted a tie so bad. Greg Joseph will forever have robbed me and the city of Indianapolis of what just would have been an exclamation point on the season to be the first team ever to have two ties since 1970. And the wild thing is, guys, is that it should not have even gone into overtime like the officials blew two plays dead for Minnesota, one that certainly yeah, was a no, touchdown. Bo- bo- yeah, both of those, the officiating across the league this week, and I know it's in a vacuum to an extent, it's always going to get hyped up, but there were some bad calls across many a big-time, both daytime and primetime uh, type of action where you had just horrendous call being made. The Vikings being robbed of two touchdowns, uh, the non-pass interference last night in Giants and Commanders, just Across the board, there were a bad highlight reel of moments for the officials. But the larger point is not the referees. The larger issue, to Eddie's point, is that, yeah, they got they got conservative. They started to try to milk and bleed the clock out. And whether you want to call it a loser's mentality, whether you want to call it inexperienced within the coaching staff, whatever the case may be, <laughs> I, I, we'll, we'll get a little Dark Knight quote here in. I'm going to throw some ah, Batman yes. in here. You know, like the Joker says, it's like a dog chasing cars. He wouldn't know what he did if he caught one? Well, the Colts caught one in the first half, BK. They caught a car in the form of a 33-point lead. They're like, oh, what, what is this? This is insane. What are we doing? And then they, they didn't know what to do with it the rest of the game. They had no idea. Zero. Whether that is the players or that's the coaching staff, I would argue it's the whole damn building. And, by the way, on top of that, poor Frank Reich, the man got his pink slip earlier this year, and now the crowning achievement of his career – 
which was the largest comeback in NFL history prior to that. Colts couldn't even let him keep that. That's gone now, too. I actually don't think it's a bad thing for Frank. I think he was enjoying a whiskey yesterday. (laughs) I'm sure he he was. He was sitting back in the recliner. (laughs) He was saying, ah. I'm sure he was. Sweet revenge. Here, Jimmy, let me go Dark Knight on you, too. Sure, go ahead. You either die or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. There's been a lot of that in Indianapolis this year. Here's my concern for the play calling yesterday and what Eddie was talking about. You know, Parks Frazier's a young guy. I believe Parks Frazier, Jimmy, is younger than you and me. Can we confirm that? Is Parks Frazier No 20? way. No, we're, I'm, tw- I'm going to be 20. I th- no, no, I think he's 26. Wow, really? Can you confirm that, Eddie? He's young. I knew he was young, but he's that- very young. All right, we'll pause. Uh, you got that, Eddie? Hold on. Okay. Right, well, he finds that. I'm doing the math. So, Parks Frazier is very young. Sure. Yes, we can all agree and on that. This he's 31. Is, he's, oh, okay, okay, I was going to say, I didn't, I, th- I didn't I, think I, he was... Okay, I, I'm... That is, but that is, that is very young by NFL standards. doesn't undercut your point. I just... I wanted to make sure we were in the same realm. Anyway, I, go maybe ahead. I heard some bad info. Regardless. Okay, so 31, Eddie. You could confirm that. All right. Can confirm. So, so Parks Frazier, that's very young for an offensive play caller. My problem with Parks... And actually, no, I shouldn't say with Parks. I should say for Parks. Is that he's getting this opportunity in the second half of this season. But unfortunately, Jimmy, in sports, but specifically this league, people have pretty good lasting memories. These types of halves and drives and performances are really, unfortunately, going to stick with this guy. Yep. They'll stick with him. They'll stick with everybody in that building. But He's going to have... To work his way back up, whatever that means. I don't know if that means being an offensive analyst. Sure. I don't know if that means being an assistant to a head coach. I don't know if that means being a quarterback's coach. I don't know. I'm not a coach. I've never coached. But I do know one thing, Jimmy, about hanging in... I work in a totally different sport, but I hang in clubhouses all summer. When you lose the respect of people from a higher being as in people more important than you sure it takes a long time to get it back sure and i don't know if these performances are gonna go against fraser himself regardless it's gonna take a while before he gets back to being able to do something like this well and who is to say i'm not disagreeing with you but who is to say he was going to automatically get an offensive coordinator's job nobody but but compared but compared to where he was yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I'm not going to say I'm tracking that as much as I would what the Colts are going to do in the draft in April, but I, I am going to be fascinated to see where Parks Frazier goes from there. However, again, I understand that Parks Frazier is the one that's calling plays, but I would also assume to an extent, if I'm Jeff Saturday anyway, and I am in this run trying to prove that I'm capable of being an NFL head coach. I would like to think that even though I'm interim, I'm still getting final say on some of that. So I don't blame everything on Frazier. I I still would blame Saturday because I would ultimately think, as experienced as he is, he kind of laid on that. Like, I've played in these games. I understand these situations. Okay. If, If something's going wrong or you feel like, hey, we need to change the tactics here, you're the one, you're the last one with the headset. You're the one to overrule or oversee those calls. At any point in that game, you could have made adjustments if you felt like things were being too vanilla. But it also it is it's and it's we saw the same thing when he neglected the timeout. Uh, who is what game was that? Like two weeks ago, and 
Saturday was I. I should have used the timeout there. I didn't use it. That was my fault. The games and all these disasters are blurring together for me, so I don't have it in front of me, and I'm always lean on Eddie, but it, clearly I wasn't being specific enough, which is a, a larger point of what the issues have been with this Colts roster and Colts staff the last five weeks. The bigger point is that for Jeff Saturday, this was your... Supposed to be anyway, Brendan. That was heard the it last week. Game, it was a Steelers right. team, right? Yeah, that's right, because it was Monday night, and they mismanaged the way that game closed out and it was the timeout issue that was a sign of and it was viewed both across this network and nationally because everybody was ripping him up as a prime example of a coach that doesn't have experience that's not been in those situations even though he's been it as a player he hasn't seen it on the other side that kind of felt like what happened yesterday as well because I don't think anybody in that building not even Jim Mersey himself expected a 33 to nothing advantage at the halftime break I definitely didn't. I I told you and everybody on the station that had scores out last week had this as a route pretty much, except for a couple. I think somebody had a five or six point lead. I don't want to speak for everybody. I had it 10. Eddie had four. So regardless of the margins, Vikings end up winning this game, but they come back with the biggest comeback in NFL history. And that's on Saturday's resume now, too. And that's ingrained in Jim Irsay's mind, who we've shown does not forget about embarrassing moments to his franchise. Regardless of how important and illustrious Jeff Saturday is as a Ring of Honor member to this franchise, I've seen enough. If you still want to give him a courtesy interview, that's great. I've seen enough, BK, because he, Jeff Saturday made it clear they're not playing for draft picks. They were playing for how these final four games matter for the rest of their season, and they were playing to win. That's why Matt Ryan was out there. That's why Jonathan Taylor was out there, even though he's now dealing with the ankle thing and is potentially done for the year. That hasn't been officially announced by the Colts, but that's the report. It's over. It is time to move on. It was a good run. Thank you for all you've done. Come back still as a consultant. Maybe it wasn't such a good run, but hey, we we still have the Raiders game, right? That's not lost with the (laughs) the biggest collapse in NFL history. We can still remember the good times against the Raiders, who, by the way, despite losing to the Colts, are still alive in the playoffs because the Patriots suddenly don't remember how to manage games late. So yeah, the Colts, you'll look back at this team and I'll I'll hear you out that there were opportunities that, man, maybe they could have been a playoff team. Maybe they could have snuck in there and been in the position the Jaguars are in or have made it a three-horse race between the Titans and them and Jacksonville. But they were also flawed in so many different ways and you saw the entirety of that cocktail of flaws against the Vikings on Saturday. Bad. And... There was a lot of bad football played this week, Jimmy. I point to New England. I point to Tampa Bay. I point to New York. I mean, Zach Wilson further proved that he is not the guy in New York against that Lions defense. That was atrocious. Every Go ahead. They should have hit that field goal, though. Should have hit that field goal, but he was bad. He was bad, but he, yeah, he, yeah. Got, he helped drive him. Sure. I'm, I'm not a Zach Wilson fan by any means, but... I, I needed more of that. A Zach Wilson stand on by, a Monday by, afternoon. By, by no aspect. Uh, and if you're Chris Bauer, please don't try to go get him. I'm not I'm not calling for that. Please you probably don't. get him for cheap. Honestly, could, if, if you want a young quarterback, or you want a young quarterback for cheap. There's plenty. There, out there's there for a garage sure. sale right now in in the Meadowlands. Uh, Bad I, football all around, though. I, I wanted to get back to what I was saying about five minutes ago, Jimmy. Was about the Parks Frazier stuff. I still find it miraculous that Eberflus got the Bears job after the disaster that we know of Jacksonville 
January 2022. Um, couldn't believe he got the job. I, I unfortunately think this is going to apply to Gus Bradley, too. I mean, Jimmy, when you have the biggest comeback in NFL history on your defense and you're a former head coach in this league and your players, Jimmy, I don't think they fully mailed it in, but there was some give up on that sideline. You don't give up a 33-point comeback if you don't believe in yourself. And these guys mailed it in. I agree with you, but I also think there is a middle ground to where, and Gus Bradley, like, look, the only thing that changed for me with Gus Bradley from last week to now is that last week I was saying everybody on this coaching staff except Gus Bradley's fine. Now it's over. I, 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 if you told me, yeah, we're parting ways with Gus Bradley, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. I understand. Um, I also think, though, that the defense was the only bright spot for this team all year. And granted, some First of their stats are inflated yeah. because of the teams they played. But in a game where, if you're a Colts fan that wanted them to win on Saturday, and I know that was kind of split within the fan base. In fact, a lot of people were like, I wish they would have lost, but not like that. That's not what I wanted. That's not how I wanted the draft stock to go up, which I get. Because you have all that hope and optimism for the first half. Uh, I, I was at a bar uh, here in Indy for the first half of that game. And yeah, there were a lot of like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, go Colts. Like there, there was high level optimism around there because, yeah, it's something you hadn't seen all season. But again, situationally, crazy things happened for the Colts to build that lead. And for me, BK, the reason I my needle is moved for Gus Bradley and, and moving away from just a full tear everything down and rebuild it is because that's a lead to your point that I expect you to hold. I expect this defense that we've praised throughout the year as being a defense that, yeah, the defense could lead you into a deep playoff run, but the offense stinks. You're not holding a playoff run if you can't hold a 33-point lead through two quarters of football. I'm sorry, you're just not. Now, I'm not saying that every single player on that Colts defense isn't worth anything. I'm not saying there's not pieces that could help whatever your franchise looks like in the future. And I'm still saying that it's a quarterback you need in the draft, but this defense no longer has the shield of, oh, they're just one of the best defenses in football. They're high-level talent. Their offense just lets them down every week. Now, special teams gave you cushion yesterday, and the offense gave you a little cushion yesterday. You didn't do jack through two quarters of football that could help put that game away. Now, granted, you went up against one of the best offenses in football. We talked about that all last week. Justin Jefferson eventually hit the gritty on Stephon Gilmore. It happened. But you have to finish. And that's going to be the lasting memory of this Colts team. Not just because it was the largest collapse in NFL history, but that's the last true moment where they're going to have most of their players available. Even though JT got hurt in that game, you have most of your players available and you're still allegedly trying to win. The rest of the season now, everybody knows jobs are on the line. That's great, but you're not playing for anything now. Jimmy, it's over. It, it, it's over. Jim Ursay has to bring, every, and this is going to take a while for the owner. Jim Ursay must bring every single person in this organization in his office and figure out what they are. If they're soft, get them out. There is no loser's mentality. There is no soft mentality in this league. If they're soft, if they have any series of doubt, get them out. You can't have that here. And that's why this team has struggled and has not been able to even buy or sniff something out of the first round in this regime. It's a loser's mentality. It's over. 
and any form of positivity, if you look yourself in the mirror, Jimmy, and you're somebody on this roster, and you look yourself in the mirror and you say, you know what, there's some good things about yesterday. It's over. That second half, it pile-drived any sort of positivity from that first half away. He's Brennan King. I am Jimmy Cook. Uh, thankfully, at least if <laughs> if you're an IU fan, you've escaped some of the scolding for that just absolutely dreadful performance up at the Fog. But that sparing is done. Don Fisher, the voice of the Hoosiers, who is on the call, joins us next. Jimmy Cook and Brennan King, you're on the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kansas Jayhawks beat the Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday afternoon. Purdue, the only club that really salvaged Saturday. Butler couldn't get a W either. But opportunities ahead for the Hoosiers. couple games against Elon, then Kennesaw State, followed by at Iowa. That's January 5th. That's a 9 o'clock tip, by the way. I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook. Eddie Garrison is here on The Fan. Glad to have you with us at B-King Sports, at VJ Cook, at Eddie Garrison underscore. Joining us now on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com, is the voice of the Hoosiers. That is Don Fisher. Fish, good to have you. After a trip to Allen Fieldhouse, Fish, 84-62. What do you think most of all was the difference uh, between IU and Kansas on Saturday? Turnovers. Yeah. 23 of them for Indiana. Obviously, that was a huge factor in the ball game. They scored 28 points off those turnovers. And the pressure, I think, that Kansas put on Indiana in this ball game was dramatic. Uh, Indiana's guards weren't able to handle it, um, and Kansas had it on the entire ball game. They never relinquished it. It was tremendous defensive pressure, especially on the guards, but also on the bigs inside with their double teams and that kind of thing. Um, I think Indiana went into this ball game feeling like they had a great opportunity to pull off a big win, uh, and I think that they thought that because they matched up well from a physical perspective. But it didn't play out that way in the in the in the game itself. I mean, uh, like I said, the pressure that that Kansas was able to exploit Indiana with was dramatic. Xavier Johnson going down didn't help that situation, but that happened six and a half minutes uh, to go in the first half, and already the game was out of hand at that point uh, in the sense of what Indiana was able to accomplish. Uh, the other caveat there from a guard perspective is that Jalen hood Shafino was hurt uh, for missed four ball games because of a back problem, uh, came back with just a couple of days' practice and was trying to find his way early on, which, you know, that's, that's a tough thing to do coming back against a team of that quality and that kind of pressure defense to deal with. So uh, I, I say that in the sense that I think Jalen, you know, Jalen probably got didn't have his best ball game by any stretch of the imagination. But when you think about uh, coming back with just a couple of days practice after sitting out that long, uh, at least he has an excuse. Nobody else in that team really does outside of X. Don, I know you talked with Coach Woodson post game. He mentioned the fact that. Kansas got up and pressed and they'd done a lot defensively that he hadn't seen on film. How much of that do you think was 
adjustments of what Kansas and Coach Self saw Arizona do with their high-paced attack defensively to kind of strike and catch the Hoosiers off guard? And is that now a worrisome trend for when IU is up against high-level guard, high-level defensive teams as conference play approaches? Well, I think there's no question it's a concern. It's a big concern at this juncture because if you go back to the Rutgers ball game, you saw that same kind of pressure come. Uh, and, and Indiana didn't handle it well there. And, and I thought it was a toughness thing, and part of it is a toughness thing. But you've got to be able to make plays when the other team is really pressuring you like that. You've still got to be able to make plays. You've got to get the ball where it needs to go. And it doesn't look like Indiana's offense right now is working in that regard. It looks like they're really struggling to get the ball in the right hands at the right time. Uh, I can't tell you. I'm not a coach. I'm not an X and O guy. I just tell you what I see. And right now we don't get the ball inside to Trace Jackson Davis nearly enough. Uh, He had eight shots in that ball game, uh, knocked down four of them. But he didn't get many of them until almost the end of the first half, and then the start of the second half is when he did most of his damage. Um, this is a ball club right now that's got some problems, and there's no doubt about that. It's pretty obvious at this juncture. And granted, they're playing the, they have played just in this last four ball games their toughest part of their schedule at this juncture. But that said, you've got to be able to overcome those kinds of things, and right now it looks like Indiana's looking for answers rather than really figuring out what the problem is at this juncture. Hey, Fish, what do you think about the Grady Dick kid from Kansas? He seems to be quickly turning into one of the better players or freshmen in college basketball. Well, uh, I, I can only tell you I had heard about him going into the ball game quite a bit, uh, what a great shooter he was, uh, and what he is able to do on the floor and I was totally impressed, I can tell you that. He, he is everything I've heard about him, uh, a terrific talent in the sense of shooting the basketball. Uh, I think he had missed one shot, and then he had like a two- or three-shot uh, stretch where he missed, and then all of a sudden he came back and knocks down another three, and he's right back on track. He hit four out of five from the field in that regard. You can't give him any room whatsoever to get off a shot because if he gets it off, there's a good chance it's going to go down. But he is a really talented freshman. There's no question about it. And he'll be in the NBA next year, in my opinion, unless he decides that he just likes college that much. (laughs) (laughs) Which you never know. Never know nowadays, right, Don? (laughs) Uh, When you look at Trace Jackson Davis, I know, like we've talked about in the past, Don, you don't go into the X's and O's of it, but second game in a row where he's been a focal point, he's going to be a focal point any night on a defensive game plan. Did you feel like he got flustered? in that first half with all the double teams and just the the solid rotation that Kansas was putting on him and if so how is that something that you know you can navigate through that over the course of the season knowing that he should expect that he's the best player on the floor he's going to get the best night in and night out from opposing defenses that's that's what i think has to happen i think that's that's the realization he must come to and it's not like it's the first time it's happened right. i mean teams have tried to take him away in the past and have been able to do it but he had such a terrific Big Ten tournament last year against some of the best bigs in this league. And basically, there were one-on-one matchups where he didn't have to deal with the double team as much. They thought Kofi Coburn could handle him. Uh, obviously, the kid from Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, they, they thought he could handle him. And then the inside game of Iowa. In all three of those games, 
he had his way, and it was primarily because he didn't get double-teamed as much. He was able to go one-on-one, and we know he's really capable of doing that. The double-team situation, however, becomes a whole different story, and when he has been had, when he's had his most problems as a player uh, at the college level, it's been because of those double and those triple teams that come at him, and you've got to be able to get the ball out, and we, we know he's a capable passer. But you've got to expect it, and you've got to be – you have to understand you're going to be the focal point of anybody's defensive game plan. And uh, sometimes I'm not sure that, that uh, Trace is ready for that uh, as he should be. And, uh, again, and, and, and think about this too. This is a basketball team that doesn't have anybody else that's a true post. Malik Renew is, but he's a freshman. Right. And he's plateaued a little bit here. He'll get better. Um, every every freshman plateaus at some point and, and doesn't play his best basketball for a while, and then he snaps out of it. And hopefully Malik will do that. But as far as a post position is concerned, Trace and he are the two guys right now. Race is capable of that, but doesn't play that post position all that much. But he's another guy that could help in that regard. But at this juncture right now, we're seeing an Indiana basketball team that's floundering to run their offense because of the pressure it's being put out front. The voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. For all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. So, Fish, that's back-to-back games just wrapped up, challenging against number 10 Arizona and number 8 Kansas. Obviously, Fish, those are the types of teams you're going to see in March when the time comes. So, uh, after back-to-back games against really quality opponents, what do you think uh, you can learn from those two ball games most? Well, I think that's what they have to expect every time they walk out on the floor. And it won't be necessarily with Elon and Kennesaw State coming up this week. (laughs) But it will be once they get into Big Ten play. Because let's face it, the other aspect of this is once you get into the Big Ten, you're playing against teams that know you. That, that are familiar with you, know what you like to do. And one season in, Mike Woodson is gonna, has found that out. He knows exactly what he's trying to do out there, but the other coaches know that too. They're going to try and take away what you like. And the things that you like to stay comfortable in, they're going to try and take that stuff away from you. So you're going to face this kind of thing all the way through the Big Ten season. If you can't adjust to it, you're in real trouble. And right now this team is not adjusting to what they've just faced. He is the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, taking some time with us on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com after IU and Kansas clash this weekend. Fish, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me, guys. See ya. Don, Don Fisher with us on the fan. Brendan King with Jimmy Cook and Eddie Garrison. Jimmy, I think Fish is right on tap, and he's watched a lot of Big Ten basketball over his life, but... When you get into the Big Ten, Jimmy, I mean, you could look up and down that conference, and you know this from being a Big Ten student. There's not a night off. No, there's not, and that's why, to Fish's point, it's so frustrating, particularly when you're having you know, aggressive, not, not not necessarily just the flow of that game and getting punched in the mouth left and right in transition and in fast break, but the fact that they're cutting off your passing lanes, they're being more physical than you, they're out-toughing you in the half-court that is now three games over the last three weeks that you could point to Arizona, Kansas, and then up at Rutgers where they, they haven't been up to task. And you know, Coach Woodson has seen it. You know, he's aware of it. You mentioned it in that post game conversation with Don that he felt like they had a good week of practice, but it was stuff that Kansas 
hadn't put on a film previously that kind of caught them by surprise. Now, if it's a fool me one situation, you know that people are aware this makes you uncomfortable. People are aware this gets you flustered. You know that the Big Ten across the board is going to be licking their chops these last two games and look at what Rutgers did as well and have a similar outlook. Not everybody's going to be able to play that way because they don't have either the guard player, they don't have the talent defensively. So it's not going to matter every night, but you're still going to get the best punch across the board because you are not just because you're Indiana, but because you were picked among the favorite to win the conference and to have a spectacular year this year. I'm not faulting the scheduling, but I am. I can live with the Arizona game because obviously no Jalen Hood-Shafino, but also you responded. You had runs in that game where it's like, oh, maybe that first half doesn't start the way it did. This is a different ball game. That never felt that way against Kansas. And to be clear, just like Assembly Hall, the Fog is a very tough place to play. They've lost, like, for every 89 games they play there, they lose once. It's it pretty just, impressive. It, it, that's, that's a different story. The loss is a different story than getting outplayed, getting dominated from start to finish, and never feeling like there was a pulse on that game. That is what's more concerning to me, though I talked to you about it during break, BK. The standards are different in Indiana. We all know that. But if you're a fan that is worried about where they're going to go from here and if March is still on the table, so often, that's why I tell people not to pay attention to the top 25, so often do you see teams that either aren't in there or are close to the receiving votes category that wind up having great second halves of the seasons, and we're not even halfway through yet, and by the time we're at March, they're pegging them as a one-seed or a three-seed, whatever the case may be. So I'm not necessarily pressing any panic buttons, but that's now three times over the last three weeks where it's like, okay, this needs to be cleaned up and... Trace Jackson Davis is going to have to respond better to double teams that are being thrown at him. We do have a new AP Top 25 poll. Purdue obviously still number one after holding court in the Indy Classic. UConn now number two because Virginia lost to Houston. Look, Jimmy, that Houston team, that's a team built for March. They remind me a lot of the Baylor team that won the tournament here in Indianapolis. But UConn up to number two after they beat Butler inside Hankel Fieldhouse. Jimmy, I don't know how much of that game you were able to catch, but I was in the building, just tough, and the problem with the dogs was they just couldn't buy a 5-6-0 run to get themselves back in the game. They were able to hit shots after UConn made shots, but when it got to the point when their big guy, Sinogo, was hitting threes, that's a th- when I think the Hinkle faithful knew it, uh, it was going to be impossible to come back. Yeah, and again, that's a... You hate, you, hate, you especially, but you and I both, because we have love for Butler. You hate to see the dogs lose a game like that, particularly because the the mantra around Butler is special things happen in Hinkle, and there's always opportunities there. I agree with you, though, BK. There are some matchups where it feels like you're a run or two away from closing that door that never really came to fruition over the weekend against UConn, but I think there's a lot of positive, and as the dogs get healthier, which they kind of did on uh, Saturday during that matchup, you're going to see them start to come into form, and I think that Butler is still very much a should be considered a tournament team, at least at this point in the season. They obviously have to go out and play the games, but I'm not necessarily hanging my head as just disappointed and disgruntled like I would be if I'm on the IU sector when obviously the expectations are different between those two programs, but on the road against Kansas with as hyped as this Indiana team was, I, yeah, I was disappointed from start to finish. I'll say this before we hit a break. Butler needs to get back to a Kansas-type mentality but because for the longest time, and again, I understand that their coach is, was now an NBA coach and now an NBA decision-maker in the front office, but Butler in Hinklefield House for a long time was like a Kansas when it comes to playing games 
efficiently at Allen Fieldhouse. It was like a Duke when it comes to playing games in Cameron Indoor Stadium. That has sort of gotten away since around 2017 where they just do not hold court enough in Hinkle. And it's just a matter of getting the young guys that they have in better positions to win and you know eventually Thad Motter's recruiting it's gonna yeah, it's, it's a, gonna happen it's, it's just a brand, take some it's time. a brand reset with Thad be with Thad being in there you're hoping that Thad Mata can restore some of that within Butler and I mean you look at him, I understand it's like a, it's this season and his two seasons there but it's small sample size but even when he was there Butler was a dreadful place to play uh, whether it was non-conference or conference schedule I get it I know they weren't in the Big East then um, but yeah, I mean that's if I'm a Butler fan, I am happy with where things are at, where they are trending. Uh, and on the other side of the state, if I'm an Indiana fan, I continue to see Purdue. Even though Davidson gave them everything they could muster, I see Purdue outlasting. I see Purdue as the top team in the country. I see Purdue as the top team in the conference in a year where Indiana was supposed to be viewed as the top dog. Conference play really hasn't gotten underway yet, but there's a lot for the Hoosiers to prove between now. And Selection Sunday. If you are a Purdue fan, you are still the number one team in the nation. Again, UConn number two after beating Butler. Virginia falls a little bit after losing to Houston over the weekend. At they at the J Cook on Twitter, at B King Sports, at Eddie Garrison underscore. Glad to have you with us. We'll get back to the Colts chatter next. James Boyd from the Indianapolis Star joins us at one. Our buddy Greg Rakestraw at two o'clock. 93.5 and 107.5 the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back into the fan. Jimmy Cook and Brennan King, Eddie Garrison behind the ones and twos. The debacle continues in Indianapolis. John Taylor's season likely done. Every headline you're going to find, Colts still reeling. Colts can't believe it. Colts shocked. Colts stunned. Raise your hand. if And I put out a poll question, by the way. I only left it open for two hours. It was when they were up 20 to nothing. How will this game end? Heartbreaking loss, Colts W. And I it stopped at three because I didn't want an influence, you know, for post game or how the game actually went. I think 55% of pollers said heartbreaking loss and 45% said Colts W. 45% you have better faith than I. Raise your hand if you thought that game was ever safe for the Colts. That they were going to come out of there with a Absolutely win. not. Okay, because I, I didn't. And I know it's easy to say after the fact, but even when it was 20 to nothing, I was like, all right. I live bet the Vikings once. Uh, so I guess maybe I did feel it was safe to an extent because I didn't trust Minnesota the way they were playing. I live bet them once when it was 20 to nothing. Uh, it's like 25 to win, 95. Should have done it more What were the often. odds on it? Uh, plus, I don't know, like 280, 290. Um, if I was... Had, had that been Kansas City, I would have been hammering it throughout the game and would have been like just mental. Weren't they plus thirty five hundred at yes. halftime? Probably. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Did you sprinkle that? No. You had some slips. You had you had uh uh uh, uh what'd you have? You Eddie had, um, 
a traitor. Anyway, uh, traitorous <laughs> overall. This other side, it's okay, Eddie. You're among you're among thieves. It's not. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So I, I would love to tell you that I'm just surprised that this organization is capable of it. But like we talked about to open the show, BK. At least in my mind, this is a fitting. And just if you could ask me for a cherry on top of what has been this dumpster fire of a season for the Colts, and what hopefully finally moves Jim Irsay to have a new look next year across the board, it would be this franchise that is viewed, supposed to be viewed with championship expectations and all oh, they're they're right there with the best in the league. They're now owners of the worst blown lead in NFL history. That is something that will stay with this organization. It stayed with the Bill or stayed with the uh Houston Oilers for 30 years. Those don't happen very often. They just don't. Telling you, man, if I'm Frank, pouring a nice whiskey, smoking a nice cigar. Oh, man. That's like a Lifetime Achievement Award that Frank Reich is now handing to the Vikings slash the Colts. You know, Frank's Frank's getting older. He's like, it's all yours now. Take care of it. Right? Come come back Kirk, baby. Come back Kirk. That hands that man right to him. I'll tell you what. You know how Justin Timberlake released the 2020 experience? Yes. How it was relatively two different albums. So he released the first one, it was more trendy, and then he released the second one, it was more like rap and a little bit different. Sure. We got the Kirk Cousins experience yesterday, where the first half was brutal and prime time and terrible and can't make a throw <laughs> and still- average <laughs> and just terrible. And then the second half was like, hang it in the lore, baby. You got the GOAT. Working with Justin Jefferson. It was the Kirk Cousins experience, Jimmy. Release the album. We're dropping it. It's going platinum. Can I get a signed copy? Yes. If possible? Yes. Would love that very much. <laughs> that is Brennan King. I'm Jimmy Cook. We will get insights from a man that was on the ground in Minnesota for just that pure theater that happened to open the Saturday night, Saturday entire Saturday football coverage across the NFL network. James Boyd of The Athletic joins us next. Top of the hour, next hour, Greg Rakestraw, post-game show host and wearer of many hats around the city, including head of the ISC Sports Network. Going to take some time with us as well as we recap. Just, like I said, couldn't put it any better. Epic theater between the Colts and the Vikings on Saturday. Jimmy Cook and Brendan King here on The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. There was a lot of that. A lot of that on Saturday from Minnesota as the Vikings completed the largest comeback in NFL history against your Indianapolis Colts. No, Kirk. I, I do not. I didn't like it, Kirk, but you certainly did, my friend. You're gonna the Colts are gonna like their first round pick. Hey, the stock is up. The Thanks, stock Kirk. is trending that way. Uh thank Kirk Cousins, thank the coaching staff. So many different people that you can give thanks out to. 
We give some thanks out to our next guest, James Boyd of The Athletic. Nice enough to take some time with us here on a Monday. James, you've had over 24 hours now to process that. I know that uh, you're not the longest tenured man on the beat with the Colts, <laughs> but uh, still to have that underneath your belt with your first season covering the team. Uh, have you seen anything like that before, not just covering the team, but as a fan in general, a collapse of that kind of epic proportion? No, I have never covered anything like that in my life from high school to college now, the pros, not even like on the NBA side with the Pacers had I seen something quite like that. It was historic. I mean, no one ever saw it before. And I just was legitimately speechless after the game ended, seriously. Hey, James, it's Brennan. Did the Colts quit in the second half on Saturday? No, I don't think they quit. I just think that the biggest issue of the season reared its ugly head at the worst possible time. They didn't score. They were up, I believe, you know, 36 to 7. They had only scored one offensive touchdown. You know, it had been field goals. It had been the JoJo Doman return punt touchdown. Julian Blackman's pick six. But as they've done all season, they can't score. So I put it in my story after the game. I understand that the defense, you know, gave up a bunch of points in the second half. Obviously, that uh, Dalvin Cook touchdown was just purely unacceptable from a tackling standpoint. However, all you needed was one drive, one touchdown drive in the second half, and you couldn't do it. And that's the epitome of their season. And I felt like you can – and I typed that I wrote. You know, the entire offense scored as many touchdowns as JoJo Doman, an undrafted rookie who only played on special teams. So, to me, it was just, uh, you know, Jeff Saturday said after that game, a calamity of errors. This is just a calamity of just uh, not being good enough to win. James, with a collapse of epic proportions like that, you should have as many perspectives as possible when trying to tell the story of of what Colts fans just witnessed. Uh, We had Alec Lewis on last week. I know that you and Zach Kiefer – and Alec kind of worked on a conjunction story of that. What was the largest takeaway for where things started to unravel uh, between the three of you having observed both the Colts and the Vikings' perspective on Saturday? Yeah, I think we all felt after the Justin Jefferson touchdown that cut it to two scores that, okay, this thing is for real. They're probably going to blow this. And then I think at that point it was just a race to the finish to see, you know, how quickly that lead would, would evaporate. And quite frankly, the game should have been won by the Vikings in regulation. Yep. And they and then and, and I tweeted this out after the game, hours after the game. The Vikings actually got robbed of two touchdowns. In the second quarter, Michael Pittman Jr. fumbled. I don't care what anybody says. And he'll he'll admit it himself. Like he was fighting for extra yards. When play when the ref, you know, deems the four progress. That's like a that that call tends to sway here or there week to week, you know, when how quickly you call it. So he fumbled. They pick it up and they go and score. And then they don't count that. And that was early in the game. It's like, okay, whatever. But then, like, you know, Deion Jackson fumbles clearly, clear recovery by the Vikings. They run it back for another score. And they blew it dead. So they get possession of the ball, but they don't get the touchdown. And so my point is the Colts literally had every break go their way early and still couldn't pull out a win. So it just felt like, you know, if anything, if you can find anything to be positive – of as as a Colts fan, I guess is that you you moved up in your draft position because that was, you know, an embarrassment. Players and coaches were saying, Jeff Saturday and the players were saying that they 
you know, it's just another loss like any of the other ones. No, it's not. You all are forever attached to history for the you know, absolute wrong reason. James, I guess the question that nobody has been able to answer this year, because clearly the play on the field has just suffered and suffered, is uh, what are they missing? Is it truly they're missing leadership when it comes to a head coach perspective? Are they missing a quality play caller? Are they missing something most on the field? Is the JT injury something to point to most? What are they missing that led to such an epic collapse? Yeah, so they're missing a left tackle. They've kind of missed that all season. Um, you know, Bernie's been better, but to start the year with Matt Pryor there was obviously a terrible decision. Um, they're missing a quarterback who, you know, is, in my opinion, just able to be average. I don't even think Matt Ryan's been an average quarterback this season. He leaves the league and fumbles interceptions, which is just unacceptable from a 15-year guy. Um, he's immobile, and it looks like he's on his last leg. I'm shocked that the Colts actually brought him back next season, considering the money he's owed. They're missing a real head coach. I wrote the night after, that, or the same night that Jeff Saturday um, was hired, that he had, did not earn that position. He was given it because of his close relationship with Jim Ursay, but his track record, his resume, or lack thereof, um, constituted that he was not fit for that job. And it's showing now it was fool's gold against the Raiders, who are you know just an abject failure in their own right. And I felt like you know uh, things are kind of coming to a head. Like It wasn't that I was rooting for Jeff Saturday to fail. It's just that you knew he was going to fail because, one, interim coaches don't really do well when they step in, and, two, you have not coached in the NFL or college ever, you know, let alone be a head coach. So um, it's just, a, a, you know, a, an array and, and, and really just a, a, a bunch of different things that have gone wrong. And it starts at the top with Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, and then now it's trickled down to the play on the field. And, and what we're seeing every week now, at least the last two games, has been just historic losses and historic things happening where, um, you know, you're going down in history for all the wrong reasons again. James, you mentioned a little bit earlier that some of these manufactured answers, which you can expect from coach speak or whatever, particularly after a game like that, it's just another loss, just another game, all that. Uh, DeForest Buckner was a little bit more, we'll say honest, talking about how disbelief he was from the loss. The fact that it was an embarrassing loss, he called it. Uh, just overall, from from your perspective, uh, and and you know, from from you and Zach being in the trenches there, what was the overall mood post game with this club? Yeah, so I asked Colin Granton after the Dallas loss. I was like, "Is this rock bottom?" He's like, "No, rock bottom will be 0-16. Never want to feel that. You know, 0-17 is just a terrible feeling or whatever." I'm like, "Okay, fair, but." This was rock bottom for this season. You know, I, I, I truly thought it couldn't get any worse after the Dallas game because of, you know, 33 un, un, unanswered points in the fourth quarter. But this, it looked like someone had died, you know, when you go in there. I mean, you're, every locker room is quiet after losses. But this was just different, man. You know, you had players just in absolute shock. And some of them were kind of unaware that they were a part of history. And when they found out, it was just like, you know, just an even deeper or harder blow. You have Buckner sitting there with this dazed look on his face. He's having the best season of his career, arguably. You got Grover Stewart looking at the floor, not saying anything. You got EJ Speed with his head in his hands, you know, just, you know, just, you know, off in his own world. You got Paris Campbell, who's, you know, just taking a deep breath and looking like, you know, what the heck just happened. So there was just so much to soak in. And I think the players' lack of words you know, said more than their words ever could. Like, they were saying all the right things. Zaire Franklin saying, 
you know, we're in the Mulan business. And we'll restart and, with uh, Dallas Flowers. I'm sorry. If you have any questions, uh, please use the chat function. I apologize for that. I was waiting on Zoom. But, yeah, I'm getting back to the point. A good multitasker. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That's I forgot to mute my laptop, but I was in the middle of the Zoom to talk about more of this game. But getting back to the point, I know I'm being long-winded, but overall it just felt like this entire team was um, – just shell-shocked, and as much as they're going to tell you that they're going to move on and it's going to be a quick turnaround, no, this is going to stick with you. This is a loss you'll never forget um, because if you're human, you know, you just won't. You just won't. You're part of history. James Boyds of The Athletic, formerly of the Indianapolis Star, with us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. James, I know Jimmy mentioned you've only been on the beat for a little while. This is a thought we've let off the show today with. Uh, you have the terrible collapse last year in Jacksonville you get shut out in Jacksonville to start this year you get shut out in New England now you have this for this regime James how many most embarrassing losses in recent memory can you afford before something breaks because this is just getting ridiculous isn't it it is it is I do not think that I expected a worse loss than the week two loss at Jacksonville 24 nothing but, I mean, that was bad. And then you got the Dallas loss where you give up, you know, 33 unanswered again in the fourth quarter. That was terrible. Um, and then you give up the largest lead in NFL history up 33 nothing, And you look up and, you're, you know, you lose 39-36 in overtime. And so it just feels like if Jim Ursay's patience was running thin before, you know, the game at Minnesota, what will he do now? And part of this is on him. I think that, you know, this season, some of the decisions he made or mandated have come back to bite him, you know. But I just think that after the season, we're going to see some huge changes. So I, th- I think that, honestly, the last three weeks of the season, the last three games, will probably be the quietest this beat will be. Because after that, you know, as soon as that, that calendar flips to 2023 as far as the season and the decisions to be made for that season – um, we're going to see some big changes, um, probably starting with the head coach. I would not expect Jeff Saturday to be brought back as the head coach of this franchise. And, you know, quarterback, drafting one, will Matt Ryan be back next season? Will Chris Ballard be back next season? I know Jim Irsay has said it repeatedly that he is going to be there. We'll see, you know, because anything can happen in this league. And obviously with this franchise, anything can happen. James Boyd covers the Colts for the Athletic. Nice enough to join us. You can follow him on Twitter at RomeovilleKid. Joining us on the Mower Shop and Fishers Hotline, you can get all of your commercial, residential mowers, well, snowblowers, parts, equipment, so much more at the Mower Shop and Fishers of the MowerShop.com. James, to your point and to what Brennan was bringing up regarding the overall collapses and just dreadful performances this season, I know you mentioned the Jacksonville game, you mentioned the collapse to uh, the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. A year ago, before you were on this beat, uh, one of the biggest bugaboos for this defense was unable to hold leads, late games, collapses. Gus Bradley comes in. A lot of that kind of goes away up until the last three weeks of the season. Going into last week, I was willing to give Gus Bradley and defense kind of a pass. That that Everything's been bad, but the defense hasn't been that bad. We know the offense struggled, but how much of this second half collapse belongs on Gus Bradley's shoulders? It does. It does. I can't absolve them of that. You know, when Patrick Peterson, there's this crazy quote that he had. We walked in at halftime and told Kirk Cousins in the offense, we just need five touchdowns. And they actually <laughs> went out and got him, you know, to, to right. win the game. And, you know, and, and how crazy does that sound when you're staring at a 33-0 hole? So I can't absolve him. Obviously, the Dalvin Cook touchdown was the backbreaker. Just, again, a horrendous display of tackling and angles and things of that nature. Um, but I feel like 
from an overall standpoint, it feels like the defense that hadn't, you know, broken completely all season is finally breaking after being underneath so much pressure. The standard for them was to basically play perfect. You know, they, they hold teams to 17, 16 points and we're still losing. And now it's like the rope has finally been let go. And um, you feel for guys like Buckner, Grove, uh, Zaire Franklin, who's among the league leaders in tackles. It's just um, – it's, it's an avalanche, and it feels like a bad team that was really bad on offense all year is it's starting to just permeate throughout the rest of the team because, you know, no one gets a pass in a game like that, except maybe like Chase McLaughlin, who was 5 for 5 you know, in field goals and probably should have got a shot there to, to ice the game. James, three games to go. You alluded to this earlier. Chargers the day after Christmas, New Year's Day at New York, and then Houston in Week 18, which is just going to be the worst game in AFC South history, potentially. Uh, Where do you go if you're the Colts from a player perspective? Because you're obviously not competing for the division anymore, even if the division still technically Jimmy is up for grabs 1%, whatever. But you're not competing for a playoff spot. This team has repeatedly said they're not going to tank. Do you play an Ellinger? Do you see what you have in reserves on defense? What do you do, James? Yeah, that's the biggest thing that I want to keep an eye on this this last stretch. And, you know, Jeff Saturday was asked if, you know, Matt Ryan will remain the starting quarterback. And he said he'll evaluate it like he always does. You know, again, Two games ago, two weeks ago, he's saying he's still the guy. But now we have to see if he's going to be the guy because I I do think that it's worth exploring what you have in Sam Ellinger again. And it's not like, in my opinion, whatever quarterback you start, whether it's Foles or Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger, that's going to change the trajectory of your season. I don't think any of them have a great chance of leading this team to many wins outside of the one against, you know, the game against the Texans. And so I do think that there has to be an evaluation period to see what you have what you want to bring back possibly and what you want to move on from. And so, again, I expect some big changes at the end of the season, but you probably want to help yourself in making those changes by seeing what you have, you know, at home. You know, people keep saying, you know, you got players out there and things like that. You know, as my mom would say, we got food at home. So you want to check at home first before you look outward. James, I know that Zach has a a piece up that was his last conversation with Jim Irsay prior to the loss against Minnesota kind of talking about his still belief and his trust in Chris Boward. I, I know you're covering the team, but I'm kind of just trying to get your your pulse and your opinion on this. It, you, we mentioned cleaning house and a fresh start. Does that come down to the general manager as well? And if so, do you get the sense that a change is imminent or a change is going to be examined over these final three games and when we open the offseason? Yeah, so the interesting thing about this, is that, you know, again, Zach talked to Jim Irsay before the Minnesota right. game. And I think after the Minnesota game, that's the type of loss that makes you reevaluate everything even more. So I think it's a possibility that Chris Ballard isn't brought back, you know, that the promises that he might have been given by Jim Irsay are not kept because that's the type of loss where no one is safe, in my opinion. Um Again, outside of Chase McLaughlin, make sure you bring him back, Colts, because he's been stabilizing the kicking game. But um, I just think that this is the type of thing where, you know, Chris Ballard, even himself, probably feels some heat just because, again, you can't have these historic losses and not feel like, you know, something's creeping up on you or you're, you know, um, running out of time to correct this thing because through six seasons, I believe Chris Ballard is 45, 49, and 1. I believe he only has like one playoff win 
And so these are the types of things where, you know, at some point you have to look at your resume. And as they always say in this league, it's what have you done for me lately? And for him, it's what have you done in these six years? I understand that you've kind of been handed an unprecedented, you know, set of cards because of the Andrew Luck retirement. But at this point, excuses can't be being, can't keep being made because of what happened with him. There's other, you know, position groups and things that he's made as far as decisions that are terrible in hindsight. I'm again, left tackle, one of the most important positions in football. You just tried to throw Matt Pryor at it, you know, a guy that's unproven and thought that that would be the answer. And it's not, you know, even Bernard Ryman, who's had growth, he still, he might not be the guy. So these are the things that kind of make, you know, his job and some of the decisions he's made indefensible. So we'll see. But I do think that that Minnesota game could change a lot of futures, not only Chris Ballard, but just overall for the franchise. James, I know you mentioned with your locker room access, you get a chance to get to know the guys and see them on a different level than maybe some of us. Mm -hmm. Well, NFL Network just confirmed Jonathan Taylor, high ankle sprain, uh, clearly not even worth rushing him back. I mean, end his season as soon as possible. But what I want to ask you about JT is that this is truly the first time in his life that he's ever struggled with injuries because early on in the season when he missed those two or three games, it was widely mentioned that it was the first time really he ever missed back-to-back practices, high school, college, whatever. So I know he's usually a pretty jolly guy and he keeps things positive, but can you pinpoint that clearly it's been a frustrating season for him injury-wise? It has been, and all athletes are usually pretty cagey about discussing injuries and things like that. And JT just isn't really a very transparent person anyway. He has a lot of the, you know, right answers. You know, sometimes as a reporter, you'd like a little more, I guess, uh, emotion or or detail or color. But um, I think talking to other players around the locker room, you know, just how much this means to him. Not that he hasn't shown it himself. It's just that he's never going to say, you know, dang, the season is terrible. This is not what I want it to be. He's just, you know, he's the offensive professional. But, yeah, overall, it's been sort of a lost season for him and Shaquille Leonard. Like, coming into the season, you think we have arguably the best running back in football, we have arguably the best linebacker in football, and neither one has that standard. And so, um, yeah, it's been for him. And I think the most important JT is it's the same injury. Like, it's the same right ankle. It's not a, a different thing. It's not a quad. One week, it's not an arm. It's, it's the same thing. So it does feel like – you know, just shut him down, you know, make sure you're protecting your investment. You don't have to back fresh for next season. And the rest of that, uh, you know, the rest of the offensive unit. So we'll see, man. But it definitely feels like you know, a season for him. He's disappointed. Like, I, I, JT, again, will never, ever say what he really feels, I don't think. But everyone knows, as much as he loves football, as great as he wants to be, this is a, a, a surefire disappointment. James, really appreciate you making the time for us. Uh, I know that these three weeks are going to be fascinating in the offseason as well. And, uh, again, thanks for making time for us today. Anytime. Sorry for my Zoom interruption. I'm trying to do it all, man, but I appreciate you all for having me. And uh, we got three weeks to go, so we'll see uh, what that <laughs> means for standings and jobs. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fascinating. Appreciate you, James. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. That is James Boyd. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Romeoville Kid covers the Colts for the athletic. BK, that's I mean, it whenever you have people in the trenches that are covering the team on the beat, it, it we're here in Indianapolis running our daily lives, but also hosting the show. So we're not traveling with the team. We're not in there. We can only read it. 
and then get the post game clips. But yeah, I mean that him describing that tonally of what that locker room was like. Uh, that's kind of what I expected. There, there's nothing but just disbelief, anguish. You can put the shield up and be like, oh yeah, it's just another game. It's, I mean, it's not. It's one that's going to stay with this team forever. And to James's point, and this goes back to our larger discussion of what it holds for the Colts. Yeah, if if Ursay was irate after the loss to the Jaguars last year, this being the latest blemish on his franchise, I would be shocked if it didn't at least move the needle and make him reevaluate everything, including Chris Boward, when the offseason finally arrives, if not sooner. I mean, Jimmy, Jim's going to need a couple more heaters when he's when he's making these decisions. You know, I mean, he's... he's Bigger a, golf he, cart, too. He's yeah, yeah, a couple of heaters with the golf cart, for sure. I, Jimmy, there, there's just nothing. I, I'm not going to go positive today. I, I, I'm not going to do nothing it. nothing, too. I, mean, there's, I, there's, I, I understand. Chase McLaughlin had a nice game. Great. They got the kicker right. But you know what? You know what else went wrong, Jimmy? Everything. They got the kicker right. Congratulations. You finally released Rodrigo Blankenship. You got a kicker right. But now the rest of your football team is hot garbage. Yeah, and and it goes back to just the larger idea of this team was constructed poorly to the start. It was an archaic way of developing a team inside out versus outside in. They've continued to say, and in fact, in that piece on the athletic. Uh, Zach Kiefer worked on uh, from Jim Irsay prior to the loss to the Vikings. He talks about how the quarterback decision, if you get it wrong and you rush it, you set your franchise back 10 years. Well, Jim, I'm sorry to say this, my friend, but how many years has the franchise been set back by these stop gaps that are just getting progressively? Well, I, I, I would say progressively worse and worse, but at this point, Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz, I'm willing to hear either side of which experience you think was worse. I mean, it, it's... It's got to be this year. Well, I don't mean the season as a whole. I mean just the performance at quarterback. Like, that. I just mean that specific role. Again, there's nothing positive about that. My point is, though, they've, they've swung and they've gone with these Band-Aids and they've missed and they've ripped open the Band-Aid and the wound is has the Colts bleeding out right now as a franchise and looking towards an offseason where you have to take... A long look at everything. And if it was me, I said this after, I can't remember which loss it was. Again, there's been a number of them this year, but talking on this program a couple months ago regarding if I would let Chris Boward go, yeah, I, I hate seeing people lose their jobs, but it, it was time for a change uh, a couple weeks ago. I feel the same way now. I felt the same way going into last week, but it felt like Jim Mersey was still so confident in Chris Boward to guide this team to its next level of contention. There, there is no level of contention inside. He is. He's a winner, exactly. He's one of the, the brightest minds in general managing in the 21st century. Uh, another paraphrase there of Jim Irsay quote, and none of it's come to fruition. There, there's nothing there that would lead me to want to, let's just say they have a top five, top three pick this year. Nothing would lead me to think that Chris Ballard is going to make the right decision for what this team needs moving forward. Jimmy, would you take 27 touchdowns and seven picks right now? No, because I know what you're doing, but no, I wouldn't. You then this? I mean, I just it, Jimmy. Give me, Car- give me the give me the quarterback because I, I that's an empty stat. That, Who's the QB? That's Wentz last year. Yeah, no, I that, that, that you're telling Jimmy you wouldn't take Wentz last year same. over this. The results the same, BK. No, I wouldn't because Jimmy, he was you had a, a shot experiment. to make the playoffs last year. BK, why don't we save this for the next segment? That's a good look at the producer. Let's let's leave that. We'll, we'll, we will we will embrace debate, as it were, regarding if you'd rather have Carson Wentz under center this year or last year than this year. I'm not saying I like the move of taking Matt Ryan, but I'll tease it this way. Uh, you're not going to like my answer. We'll be back after this. Jimmy Cook and Brett and King. Okay. 
We are. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. In the drivehubler.com studio, I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. After a terrible weekend, minus if you are a Purdue Boilermaker fan, or shout out as well to the Ball State Cardinals. They got a win over Illinois State. That's something, Jimmy. It is. You a Ball State guy, Parker? Yeah. Chirp, chirp. Look at that. Look at that. Very happy for the Cardinals. No, seriously, we had an opportunity to talk to a number of different coaches, including Michael Lewis. Great win for them. They talked about how important it was and how proud he was to be able to have Ball State within the next adventure of college football or college basketball action rather in the city of Indianapolis that Cambridge Fieldhouse has always been a venue for great games and to have the Indy Classic now be a part of that got some quality contests the Ball State win a Purdue survival yeah it's a great weekend overall glad to have you with us fan midday show Brendan King Jimmy Cook Eddie Garrison I do want to get back to what we were discussing Jimmy before the break if you were a Colts fan would you rather take Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz but if you'd like to chime in you can do so at 317-239-1070. It's your own personal festivus. If you have grievances with this team and you're frustrated for where they're going, yeah, feel free. Jimmy, I, I don't have good things to say about Carson Wentz, but if you're telling me you would take this year, this year's quarterback play over last year's quarterback play, I just don't get it. I think that that is the... I wouldn't take Wentz for a number of different reasons. For one... Oh, but I, again, you, you would rather take Ryan is what you're telling me. Yes, I do. Okay, please explain. But again, my goal at the end of the day is not to argue statistically who had a better year. Yes, Carson Wentz had the better year. If that's all you want to go off of, then yes, I'm not going to win that conversation against you because he has had a better statistical year than Matt Ryan. My point with Carson Wentz is they brought him in here as a broken toy that Frank Reich could fix that was going to be able to get back to the impressive 2017 season that he had they felt like they could get him back there. Was he that from a numbers standpoint, just purely box score standpoint? Sure. Yeah, 27-7 and seven is a great mark, and people like to put that up as, a, oh, maybe they shouldn't get rid of this guy because look at his numbers. Countless times last year with the game on the line or with situations trying to make a play, Carson Wentz let you down. That Jaguars game against or in Jacksonville to end the season was as much on Carson Wentz as it was an entire failure with that team. And if you want to look it out, Super sim wise, or not super sim, but big picture wise of what's happened with these two quarterbacks, Carson Wentz benched for Taylor Heineke, and Taylor Heineke took that job right out of his hands. He was not benched. Carson Wentz is an afterthought now. He got hurt because of the year. The okay, either way, he's an afterthought now. Not even thought because Heineke has played well. Because Heineke has played well. Because Heineke Heineke was bad. Sure, that's fine. They would have gone back to Wentz. But if you ask anybody in this city. And anybody that just has seen Carson Wentz play the last three years, they feel confident in him leading your franchise. The commanders were laughed across the NFL the same way the Colts were when they traded for him from Philadelphia when they went to acquire him. Because he is what he is, which is he puts up some nice stats, but his best years are behind him. The best year is behind him. So no, I don't like the Carson Wentz-Matt Ryan conversation because it gets you back to point A, which is this team does not have a proven answer at quarterback. They failed at every turn. I'm not bringing Matt Ryan back next year, other than if you draft a quarterback and you believe, hey, you know what? Let's have Matt Ryan have an understudy for a season. If that's your argument, 
I'm not going to be too mad at you. But it, the larger issue isn't who is better, Wentz or Ryan. The larger issue is look at all these failures the Colts have at quarterback. I don't want Wentz back. I was thrilled when he was gone. It was fool's gold to think that he was going to be able to turn around this team. And when you look at the way they failed Matt Ryan, they would have failed Carson Wentz just as often, if not more, this season. Jimmy, I'm not trying to argue stats. I'm not trying to argue which quarterback is better. What I'm telling you, the Colts had an opportunity to make the playoffs last year. And right now, you just got done with the biggest comeback in NFL history. Is that on Ryan? Not necessarily, but you put up three points in the second half. At least Wentz last year got you a win. At San Francisco, he got you a win at Buffalo in dominant fashion where you put up 41. He got you a win at Arizona on Christmas. Matt Ryan beat the Chiefs. Matt Ryan had a handful of comeback drives Did Matt Ryan really beat the Chiefs, though? That was a defensive performance, Jimmy. Sky Moore beat the Chiefs. you You can point to similar aspects of how this defense helped out Carson Wentz last year. The idea just to point and say that Wentz is far superior because of a couple of nice wins last season. It's the same thing of people... He's not... Jimmy, he's not far superior. I'm telling you that if you give me, if you have gone to my head and you ask me which guy do you got to start, do you start 2021 Carson Wentz or you start 2022 Matt Ryan? If you don't say Wentz, Jimmy, I'm concerned. I'm sorry, I'm not saying Wentz. I'm saying. But, but Ryan, what about Ryan in 2022? Puts you puts under center because he's been brutal. Because Matt Ryan was promised that this was going to be a better situation. I don't than care Atlanta. about promise. What has he done, Jimmy? That that you put him under center. The reason center? I'm saying that BK is because it's not Matt Ryan who is flawed. The Matt okay. Ryan experiment, why it failed, is because the offensive line was supposed to be top five, top ten in the NFL. They knew what they were getting out of him. He's a statue. He doesn't scramble. He can't move. Sure, Carson Wentz can move, but half the time when he does that, he's throwing across his body or misreading a linebacker and throwing a pick, and the Jaguars are going the other way. Like, I get it. If you want to say, oh, Wentz is a little bit more mobile, that maybe he would have been a better answer, that's fine. But why I'm not blaming this season on Matt Ryan is because he's the same Matt Ryan he was in Atlanta because this team is as bad, if not worse, than the Falcons were last year. And that's not what he was told was going to happen. He was told this was going to look just like the Falcons of 2016 and 2015, maybe not quite to that level, but to a level that we're going to protect you. We're going to have a great running game, and boy, do we have weapons. Which of that has shown up for him this year? Nothing. That's why I'm, my issue is not with Matt Ryan and why I would have, if you had me do it all again, my issue would not be, hey, let's not bring Matt Ryan in this year. My issue would be, hey, let's go get a left tackle in the draft. I, I don't blame Chris Ballard for trying to bring Matt Ryan in here. I blame Chris Ballard for his failings as a general manager to draft and have complimentary pieces around you. I hear you. I respect the opinion, Jimmy, but I'm just going to the other side because in no way can you pay me to start Matt Ryan, even though the team has been flawed, you lead the league in fumbles for a reason. You lead the league in interceptions for a reason. When given the opportunity, he's been okay sometimes. But that's with everything being perfect. Wentz went out there and won you a couple games when nobody else was showing up. On Christmas Day, when the COVID was flying through the organization, Carson Wentz went and won you that game. Do I support Carson Wentz left-handed shovel passes? Absolutely not. Do I support Carson Wentz being really a bad leader last year at times? Absolutely not. But when the team was not backing him, when he needed to go get a win in San Francisco, in Buffalo, in Arizona, 
Now, he didn't show up in those last two weeks. That was terrible, and that was absolutely on him. He lost the Raiders game. He lost the Jaguars game. But he did go out and win you some games, which Matt Ryan has not done this year. Matt that's Ryan, not, that's, not, that's not fully true. Matt Ryan has not won you a game this He's, year. The game-winning drives they put together, regardless of how they got there, which there's been a couple this season, were because Matt Ryan was leading that team. Did the defense help him and put him in a great spot? Yes, but he's still like I'm just I'm arguing with the idea that he didn't win them any games this year. He didn't win you in the Chiefs game. They had to drive down the field. Chris Jones won them the I look Chris I'm a Jones Chiefs won fan. them the Chiefs game. I'm a Chiefs <laughs> fan. So I so that's been my take the whole time is that Matt Ryan, maybe he did win that, that game because he baited Chris Jones to use abusive language on him. My point is though that the fully saying that Carson Wentz didn't help you win or that uh, Matt Ryan didn't help you win any games this year is not true just because of the fact when he was put in situations to go win a game for you down not down 30 but down more often than not this year he delivered which is what he's been he, he has the second most game winning drives of any quarterback in NFL history second to Brady I mean he's had a great career he should be a Hall of Famer right but it has not worked this year I'm not starting that guy again boys okay so let me ask you this before we go to the lines you're telling me that you would rather have Carson Wentz right now. You would feel better about this season with Carson Wentz right now. And in fact, you would like Carson Wentz as the long-term answer at quarterback. Absolutely not. Okay. What I'm saying, if given the choice between 2021 Carson Wentz and 2022 Matt Ryan, I am taking Carson Wentz. Okay. Agreed. I mean, I to your point, I disagree with, with UBK on the Raiders' loss last year. That's on the defense. Not being able to come up with the There were moments in, the in that quarter. game that he needed to step on their throats and he didn't. I agree, but at the end of the day, it comes down to limiting points, too. And you can point the finger at the defense for giving up two touchdowns. What was in the final three minutes, four minutes, or whatever it that was? That was a terrible ending. Yes. It was on the defense. It was not on Carson. He made enough plays in that game to win them the game. But this year, I don't say Matt Ryan won that Kansas City game. I say they only, the Colts were lucky enough to win because of Travis Kelsey, Sky Moore, and Chris Jones. Drop touchdown by Kelsey. You've got the muff punt by Sky Moore. That leads to a Colts touchdown, which is only like one of four first quarter touchdowns they've only had on offense all season long. You want Carson Wentz leading you down the field in that final drive? Because I don't. The only reason they won We're that looking game. looking at the total body of work I understand, but you're referencing the Chiefs game and to undercut it like he didn't win them that game. That's not a game that Carson right. Wentz goes down the field and wins you. And I know we're looking at one game, but the idea to undersell it, which, by the way, we're arguing over two quarterbacks that won't be Stink. starting next year. Stink. They won't Terrible. Be, they, won't, right. they won't be like, so I, I understand that you, me and BK have kind of got riled up here. But at the end of the day, if this is your poster child of who you're sending out there, regardless of who it is, you're not a playoff team. Both of these quarterbacks prove that. I'm just saying, based on how the overall team has collapsed around itself, it was not as prevalent a year ago as it is right now. It is a worse team overall than it was when Carson Wentz was under center. That's why I'm saying, yes, I would take Matt Ryan, but I would change just a variety of different decisions that Chris Ballard made this past offseason. And here's another thing that I will say about Carson compared to Matt. Ballard would say the same thing. He never wanted Carson Wentz. Reich did. It was never Ballard's guy. Ballard's guy, at least in all accounts, was Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers. Wentz was a Reich decision that Ursay went along with that Ballard was I, like, here I am, that's what I'm doing. I would pin Ryan more on Ursay. I would say I would okay, pin Ryan more on luck. Like, not Andrew Luck. <laughs> not Andrew Luck. Like being lucky. Sure. Sure. That he was available in, in comparison to what was there. Sure. Because they had punted so long at quarterback. But. So what? Here's one token I will say. 
Carson Wentz can still avoid pressure, and he will not be afraid to throw the ball down the field. Matt Ryan, terrified to throw the ball down the field. You have two guys and Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce who are really good at 50-50 contested catches. Did Pierce get one single go ball down the field? It's like, hey, Rook, go up and make a play. No. He, d- he doesn't give Pierce the chance to shine. When to be he fair, he did, Pierce did have the game-winning yes, touchdown that's at home. That was a go ball. Was a, uh, that's what I'm saying, but I'm talking but about other than the that, course no. of the season, he's had like four or five realistic chances that he's had the opportunity to make a play and go up and catch the football. Matt Ryan won't throw that football down the field. Carson Wentz would. The, argu- the argument, though, and additionally, though, is that it does take time for those routes to develop, A, and B, Carson's thrown it two seconds before anybody's down the field, and it's either in double coverage or it's overthrown by about 20 yards. Uh, let's go to the phone lines real quick. Been on hold for a minute. Billy, I want to talk a little about the Colts' loss. Billy, welcome to the show. Arguing over something really do- you're, you're arguing over something that doesn't matter until we get an offensive line it does not matter. We do not have a line. That's why we can't run the ball. They've got five. They have three seconds to throw the ball. If you're going to argue between the two quarterbacks, I would much rather take Wentz. At least he has an arm. Ryan has no arm. They, he proved that son. He can't throw the ball. He just can't. Um, and we have a receiver and a half is all we got. Until we improve our offensive line, we can't run it. We can't throw it. it. It doesn't matter. Any uh, frustrations with the defense on Saturday? Oh, I, no, I thought no. the defense got wore out. The defense flat got wore out. I mean, to me, to me, th- that game was lost by the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator on Saturday. You've got – I mean, you can't go out and play a second half with the object of we're not going to lose this game. He should have gone out there second half with the idea it's a zero to zero game. Let's go do the same thing we did first half and then have won the game. But you, they didn't do that. They didn't do that at all. And, we, and you, they don't want any. They don't want any screen plays. They don't want any stretch plays. They don't want anything like that. I mean, to me, the offensive line coach ought to be gone tomorrow because he makes no adjustments. None. I mean, if if what we're doing is not working, then change the blocking scheme. Go to double teams. Do something. But do something different. Because to me, the offensive linemen, they all they owe their, all their money back to Robert Erskine because they've been stealing all year. They've been taking money they ain't even earned. And, you know, it, it was ridiculous Saturday to watch that. I mean, you're right. They scored one offensive touchdown, and the rest was done on everything else. And I'm a long-time co-fan. I was a co-fan – with the Baltimore Colts. I've been a Colts fan since 1960. And, you know, I thought the Dallas game was bad. And I live in the middle of Dallas Cowboy country. The game Saturday was mild compared to that. It was was a lot worse than the Dallas game. Dallas hung 50 on us. But losing that game Saturday was ridiculous. Talk to y'all later. Thanks, Billy. Thank you, Billy. He's a regular staple in that Colts postgame show. I love it. So he knows Greg Rakestraw well. Yes, he does. And Greg Rakestraw will be our guest at 2 o'clock. Quick timeout if you'd like to join the conversation, 317-239-1070. I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You think Jim is... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Listen to this right now and just popped a heater and said, what do I do? 
little ACDC on the speaker. I don't even know how you cope with something like that. Imagine being the owner of a, a multi-million dollar entity and it's just falling apart, crumbling in your hands, Jimmy. I'd blow it up. I'd eat the money and I'd blow it up. I'm telling that's you. How, that's how you cope with it. If I'm Jim, this is going to take a while, but if I'm Jim, I'm sitting every player, I'm sitting every staff member down one-on-one in my office and I'm figuring out what kind of guy they are. I'm figuring out... Do they have a winner's mentality? Because if you're a loser, you get out. I I don't care what it takes. That That's what I'm doing at this point, Jimmy. There is a certain moment, and we talked about it last week, that the idea of... I, I get it that we all hammer jokes about the two Lombardis, which, because it is, it's comical, but the level of this franchise has fallen continues to grow week over week season over season to the point that our jokes about the Jaguars last week potentially making noise that you talked about the Lions being a wagon which by the way they definitely yeah, are I'm, I'm there with you we're in wagon territory baby <laughs> the, the Jaguars are absolutely a wagon like my goodness I called it first I free, please credit BK um, the, the Jaguars are absolutely a wagon right now yeah. Trevor Lawrence looks great uh, at least he, he, that second half was large part due to him that defense looks sharp against the top tier opponent at least perceived top tier opponent the Dallas Cowboys you are the third best team in the AFC South and the only reason you're third is because the Houston Texans are the Houston Texans and by the way the Houston Texans showed more goal and bravado yesterday against the Chiefs than the Colts have all season can't wait for week 18. Lucas Oil, it's the Texans and the Colts. 317-239-1070 if you'd like to join the chat. Tom is on with us from the drivehubular.com studio. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Really enjoyed your show last week or so. Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, hey, I, I just wanted to weigh in. Um, you know, I've been I've been watching all year, and, you know, at, at one point, Brendan, I was ready to fire everybody, too, um, <laughs> if I was in charge. Um, but I, I, I think it really comes down – to quarterback play and you, you guys are talking about uh you know Wentz versus ryan and ryan's inability to move in the pocket and i'm not talking mobile where he can get out and run for a first down just move side to side he has zero ability to do that and when you can't do that you can't create angles with your receivers and there was one play uh saturday where he was forced out laterally to his right where at the time, Paris Campbell wasn't open, but the fact that he was forced to move right two yards, he was able to hit him. And just his inability to move within the pocket is about as bad as I've ever seen. You know, Carson could obviously move, but, you know, he was frantic once he got out of the pocket. I think if we can get a young quarterback that can at least move laterally, if it's, you know, Will Levis or C.J. Stroud, I think we're not that far off. And like I said, Brennan, I was ready to blow it up and get rid of everyone a few weeks ago. But this is kind of what I've come to today. So Tom, guys. appreciate the call, man. Yeah, I don't think Tom is very far off, Jimmy. If you are able to land a Stroud, Young, Levis, even I'd throw Anthony Richardson in there, there just has to be something fresh, Jimmy, on the way. No, I don't disagree with that. And again, I, I think that maybe the idea that because that was kind of what Matt Ryan was praised for, particularly during training camp and as we were getting early on in the season, was he doesn't have the ability to 
scramble, but he has the ability to navigate a little bit within the pocket. I will admit he has regressed in that territory over the last six weeks to the point that, yes, everybody that was saying that and tooting that horn is accurate. But to say, I want a young quarterback as much as anybody. And I'm not saying that next year or this April that your first pick should not be Stroud or Young if you're in that territory to go get them. But you cannot abandon in the draft process or whatever is available in the trade market an answer at left tackle. You can't do it. Now, if you want to evaluate Ron Ryman over the spot where it's like, oh, maybe he's getting a little better, and then I didn't think he looked great against the Vikings. If you want to evaluate him over these final three games, that's fine. But he's not my, we're running it back with him, lock solid answer this offseason. So the idea that you can't also go fix left tackle, and that's not also an issue for this team, I don't agree with. But I do agree with the larger premise that, yes, we're both on team, new quarterback, young start, fresh start for this franchise. There are four free agents that will be left tackles this offseason. Yeah, the market's not great. I know because I've been frustrated with Orlando Brown in Kansas City at times. And um, he's the most notable name on that market. Yep. So, Didn't um, somebody just pick up Eric Fisher? Yes. Yes. Do we know? Uh, oh. Was it the Jaguars? You could be right. That sounds right, but yes, it did happen last week, so I remember yeah. us talking about it very briefly. Um, Eric Fisher, gone too soon. Dolphins. That's Dolphins. right. It was, I knew my, it was, yeah, it was, it was someone within the... It was also, I knew it was like a top, not top-tier contender, but a, a playoff a playoff team or a playoff potential answer. Tim has a quarterback idea. 317-239-1070. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, just real quick, and then I'll I'll hang up and listen. One, I, I'm still curious if they're going to play Sam. I mean, now that we're watching all these so-called bad draft picks doing great. I'd like to see Sam get a shot on the end of this season. Um, my other question is, they worked out Rourke. Uh, I guess he's the best football QB from the Canadian League, and I didn't know about that till today, but he was here last week. And then finally, what about a guy like Dugan? We're not going to get one or two, so you're probably looking at Dugan or the guy from Kentucky, I would assume. And I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. Yeah, the guy from Kentucky is Will Levis. And Will Levis is going like opposite Kenny Pickett route, where Kenny Pickett had small hands. I think people are going crazy over Will Levis's hands, if that means anything to you, Eddie. They're like over 10 inches, I think is what he said. Wow, man, that can grip a football, eh? (laughs) Good for him, Will Levis. I can't believe we come to this. That's where we're at. Yep. People are crazy. When it comes to that, yeah, I psycho. Don't care. I don't, yeah, complete doesn't, doesn't psycho. But here's uh, the crazy thing: the, it, hey, this, maybe the CFL guy can sling it. I don't know. CFL is a different game. I actually love the CFL because the wide receivers get a head start, which is kind of fun. I do like Max Dugan from TCU, but here's another thing to mention: like I've been looking at some of these mock drafts lately, and Todd McShay didn't have CJ Stroud going three; he had CJ Stroud going four or five to Detroit. So I, I, I don't think there's this uniform belief from people who study, you know, the draft prospects and make mock drafts that CJ Stroud is set it forget it top 3 guy. I think there's a there's like a slim chance if the Colts end up with that third or fourth pick that CJ Stroud could be in play for them. I'm not convinced yet that the Lions are going to take a quarterback. I think they have to and here's why. Because if they're going to continue to win like this, and the Rams eventually get back to full health, that first pick they have for however many years, I think it's next two maybe, it's going to be in the mid-teens. So if you're going to get a quarterback, I think it has to be now if you're Detroit. 
and then you can put them behind Jared Goff, who they're, whether that's Levis or whether that's Stroud, if they're ahead of the Colts or behind the Colts. That's Eddie Garrison. Jimmy Cook is here. I'm Brendan King, at VJ Cook on Twitter, at Beat King Sports, at Eddie Garrison underscore. We will open up the phone lines again at 2.30 or so. Coming up next, though, Greg Rakestraw will join us to break down some more Indianapolis Colts' biggest comeback in NFL history, but against them. Rake will be with us after the timeout on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jimmy Cook and... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ben and King, coming to you from the DriveHuber.com studios. Eddie Garrison... Doing a great job behind the ones and twos as per usual. It was a Saturday filled with optimism, filled with the excitement of Saturday football at play for your Indianapolis Colts. It turned into, whoa, and then it turned into, oh my God. The great Greg Rakestraw, wearer of many hats, but for this particular edition, post-game host of the Colts Radio Network. Rake, you're, you're the consummate pro. And you've been in a number of different broadcasting situations, so I know you were prepared for the post-game show. Did the callers live up to the billing of what was the worst collapse in NFL history? Well, the callers didn't have a chance uh, for a good chunk of the show because the game ran so long. So uh, I'm kind of the catch-up department if the game runs long. That game was a long game if it had finished in regulation let alone in overtime. So I got it at 5.10. I had nine commercial breaks to clear between 5.10 and 6 o'clock. And, you know, obviously we, we always try to get it back to our network affiliates on time. There have been a couple of occasions where, where we haven't made it. Um, but this was also a Saturday night where a lot of the same stations that would have carried our game were going to carry the Purdue game or they were going to carry their local high school game on that Saturday night. So we didn't exactly have a lot of time. Uh, by the time I got the phone call, 6 o'clock hour, a lot of folks were kind of um, on you know, and, and about their day. So it was not the, uh, the Armageddon send flowers and condolences I got on social media. That's why I appreciate those kind thoughts and gestures. But, uh, you know, and, and let's face it, for as awful uh, as the way things turned out on Saturday, most people had kind of written off this season already. You know, for this Indianapolis Colts team. So this this isn't like last year's loss in Jacksonville. This isn't like a a, a playoff defeat at home early in, in a playoff campaign. This is a very embarrassing afternoon for a team that knew their season, even though they're still not mathematically eliminated, but a season a team that knows their season's gonna end on the afternoon of January the eighth. Rake, it's BK. I guess my question right off the bat is where do you go from here if you're the organization? Um, again, I, I, I wish I had an intelligent answer for you uh, because I, I don't know the direction this thing is going to go. Um, my thought was coming out of the bye, I want to see more of the young guys playing. That includes Sam Ellinger, but that's not limited to Sam Ellinger. Uh, it includes a guy like Mike Strawn. Now, Mike got a concussion in practice last week, so he couldn't play in the game. But I want to see more guys like him, Desmond Patman. Obviously, we're seeing Bernard Ryman. Uh, Nick Cross, we're seeing more of Dio Odengbo, and that is a good thing. But I, I want to view the next three weeks now as 
play as many of the young guys as possible. I know I want to know what ex- exactly on my 53-man roster going into the offseason. So I know, um, you know, what personnel moves need to be made in the offseason and what holes there all are to fill, whether that is via free agency, whether that is via the draft. And, and you know, we'll see how that plays out these next three games. Rake, Brennan and I last week were kind of of the mindset that there's a lot of areas to point to with question marks and major concerns, but for the most part this year, uh, Gus Bradley and that defense have have been sound in a positive uh, area for this team. For me, I'll be honest, it and it'd be hard for any fan, I'm sure as well, it, it wavered, rightfully so, yep. against the Vikings. Uh, do you have a similar sentiment, and are there maybe larger concerns on the defensive end that maybe we were overlooking because of the nice form of play they'd had over stretch of the season right the defense it's been hey the defense did their job you know we've said that over the course of the uh you know uh, first three months of the season you wouldn't say that in the second half of games the last two times they have played and the amount of total yards that were given up in the second half and the ease at which Kirk Cousins moved the football um was staggering and so I'm, I'm not ready to say hey it's time to move on from Gus Bradley um, but what I'm saying is, hey, let's let, let, let's take a bit more of a fine microscope to what this defense is doing or is not doing, uh, because it has been complete capitulation uh, over the last couple of games against playoff-bound teams in the second half of those games in Dallas and Minnesota, respectively. Rake, how much of the second half comeback yesterday was the Colts imploding, and how much of it was just Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and Justin Jefferson doing their thing? Um, the the stat term would be regression to the mean. You know, the, 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 the Colts were not as good as 33 nothing would indicate, where everything goes in their direction. The Vikings were not as bad as 33 nothing would indicate. And so, yeah, the, the Colts were complicit in their own demise. The Vikings have still found a way to win 11 games. Do I think they're amongst the best teams in the NFC? Maybe in the NFC, because I'm not sure the NFC has that many good teams this year. Are the Vikings a flawed football team? Clearly they are. But they have still found a way to win 11 games, and they have still won 10 of their 11 games in terms of one-score games. So for all of the grief that the Colts are getting, it's rightfully deserved. But at the same time, credit up the other guys, because the Vikings got some pieces, especially at wide receiver. Greg, I understand to an extent. Greg Rakestraw, nice enough to join us. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw, Vice President of the ISC Sports Network, Voice of the Indy 11, post-game host for your Indianapolis Colts radio network. But, Rake, I understand we're kind of getting into semantics here, but you have a pulse on the situation, and Brent and I were discussing it earlier. We still have three games to go. Maybe we've seen the the last of Matt Ryan. Maybe we haven't. But when you look at the failings of the offensive line combined with knowing what Matt Ryan was and knowing where you had to be great in order for him to be great. How much of this is the organization failing Matt Ryan and how much of this is Matt Ryan failing the organization? This is, it's everybody failing everybody here. Um, It's Matt Ryan not being as good as I thought he was. Even if he started to slip last year in Atlanta, I thought Matt Ryan would be better. Clearly you bring Matt in with the idea of, Hey, we've got the offensive line set. We've got the running game set. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are questions at wide receiver and tight end, but with those basic tenets, you can help a young receiving core develop. And I'm sure there are some things behind the scenes, meeting room practice, 
that Matt Ryan has had a positive impact on Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, etc. All guys are on their first contract in the National Football League. So did the organization fail Matt Ryan because they did not deliver him the offensive line they had expected to? Yes. Did Matt Ryan fail this organization by having a propensity for turning the football over, for not hanging on to the football, uh, for, for, for not being able to deliver um, you know, passes as accurately as people assumed he would? Yes. It's, it's, a, it's sadly a two-way street or like an 18-lane intersection to make a bad analogy in terms of the failure flowchart of 2022 for the Indianapolis Colts. Do you think we've seen the last of him this year? Um, if I were in charge, yep, I'm not in charge. Uh, (laughs) and so I, I honestly don't know again, how I would handle it is play Ellinger. Again, I want to see what I've got. I want to, I want to try to get the fullest snapshot of what my roster looks like going into 2023. But frankly, you could have used that move from a logic standpoint last week and they didn't. So at this point, I have no earthly idea. Rake, so Jonathan Taylor, high ankle sprain, likely done for the year as per the ESPN report. Yep. Um, injury <clears throat> injury plague season for multiple guys. Probably the two biggest are JT missing that two- or three-week stretch initially with the ankle and then kind of nursing it the rest of the way. And then Shaq Leonard. I, I guess from a, if you're Chris Ballard, what's a more frustrating injury plague season, the Leonard stuff or the Taylor stuff? Leonard, knowing just just you know that you've had an off season of surgery now, back to back years for him. Um, honestly, what JT did in terms of missing one game over two years as a running back, and that was because of a COVID test. Um, that's not normal. This is normal uh, in terms of uh, a guy that can take that much of a pounding or have that many impacts. Um, you know, there, there's a, a line from. Uh, from a movie, uh, I think it's Fight Club, where they, you know, at some point everybody's timeline goes to zero. At some point, the injury bug's going to hit a running back because of the amount of high-speed collisions he's involved in. So the answer, the answer to that question is Shaquille Leonard. Now, what I would say is this: the fact that yeah, those are two key players, two of the best players in the Indianapolis Colts have dealt with injuries all year. You know what that you know what that makes you in the National Football League healthy. For all of the issues that the Indianapolis Colts have had this year, you can't blame injuries. Um, there's been a lot of teams that had a lot worse injury scenarios than have the Indianapolis Colts this year. For the things that have gone wrong, injuries are not, you can't blame this on injuries. This, this team, when healthy, has simply not been good enough. Greg, I know we're talking a lot about, and this is what I want from you, obviously, but I know we're talking about what you would do since obviously you're not running the team, but regardless of if it's Bauer or if it's somebody else, next year uh, from what you've seen in the college ranks is this the year to finally go get a quarterback if you were running the ship and if not can you afford to try one more time on the retread train assuming no. they part ways with Matt Ryan no it's at some point you're going to patch the tire so many times and and I don't fault Chris Ballard for how they've handled the quarterback position since 2019 you had Brissett as your experienced backup when Andrew Luck elected to walk away in August of 2019. What Ballard, what, what Brissett did was, was good, not good enough. And I think we have seen enough from Jacoby Brissett over the last three years. He's a career backup. That's what he yep. is. Uh, and so you go ahead and bring Phillip Rivers. You can have the debate whether it should have been Brady Rivers. I don't know what Brady's legitimate interest was. Phillip Rivers, as, as we get further away from 2020, did a heck of a job in his last year. 
Phillip Rivers walks away. They felt the best option was Carson Wentz with the idea of Frank Reich could get the most out of Carson Wentz. And for good chunks of last year, that was good enough. When it mattered most, it wasn't. And so you had to move on from him, and you did. And I would be one of the first people to tell you I got it wrong on Matt Ryan. I, I really thought that was a heck of a move by the Colts, and that was going to be the difference maker in making this a 10- or 11-win football team. And as we now know, hindsight is 20-20. 10 or 11 wins have been good enough to win you the division. And I thought that's what this team was, and it just didn't turn out that way to be. And so, yes, comparing this year's quarterback draft to last year's quarterback draft, where it looks like one team really kind of forced themselves to take a first-round pick in Kenny Pickett of, of the Steelers, and there weren't any of their first-round talents at quarterback. This year, there are that. And, and, and the Colts should have a pick, the silver lining of Saturday, um, that will put them in position to take a first-round competent quarterback, which, again, the Colts have been in this position for 11 years. They're in it now, and I think that's the direction the Colts are going to go. Rake, as for now for quarterback, do you think – I know Saturday has repeatedly said that they'll evaluate things, Matt has been his guy, but w- would they actually pull the trigger on starting an Ellinger again? Because he has not been the backup as of right. late. I, again, I, I, I have no idea. And at this point, if you haven't played Nick Foles, then you almost go, well, why do you start now? Um, you know, with three, we're 15 weeks into the season with three weeks left to go. Um, so um, we'll find out. We'll see. Um, you know, the last the, the way the depth chart has shaped up the last three weeks, it would tell you for whatever reason, maybe that die has been cast already. Uh, again, I want to see what I've got in him. But if they feel that he's not the guy, then maybe it's more Matt Ryan. Maybe it's more Nick Foles. Who knows? Greg Rickshaw taking some time with us on the Motor Shop in Fishers Hotline. Go to the Motor Shop for all your residential and commercial mowers, as well as snowblowers, parts, equipment, and so much more. The Motor Shop has you covered year-round at the Motor Shop in Fishers and themotorshop.com. You can follow Greg on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw. Greg, there were a number of areas, as you would expect, in a collapse like that where this team failed against the Vikings, but a strong area of it was red zone efficiency, particularly taking field goals uh, and not capitalizing drives with six. Uh, Brent and I were discussing this earlier in the day. When you're looking at this staff and what it looks like a year from now, I guess if you bring in a new coach, maybe they're cleaning house and grabbing new offensive minds anyway. But what is next or what do these final three games hold for Jeff Saturday? And what, if anything, uh, does I know he's a minor character in all this. He's not the main character. But what happens with Parks Frazier at the end of the year after a game like that? It's a good question. And, and obviously the, the end-all, be-all is who's the general manager. Okay. Yep. Once you settle on that, it becomes, okay, who's your head coach? And then once you do that, it's, okay, who do you want to be on your staff? And so could Parks Frazier be back here? Potentially. But you have to go through that flow chart. You have to make the determination who's the GM. Because, frankly, the GM needs to be able to pick whom their head coach is going to be. And then whomever the head coach is, I would imagine, you know, will bring in their own staff – and I'm not sure how much of any of this staff, if, it is some, if it's someone not named Jeff Saturday, even if it is Jeff Saturday, he's going to bring in, his, bring in his own guys. And so my thought is, is that given all of those qualifiers, for as young and talented a guy as Parks Frazier is, he's probably someplace else next year. I could be wrong about that. Um, if it's Jeff Saturday, 
Maybe maybe Parks is his offense coordinator next year. Don't know, but you frankly have to get a couple of different steps down the depth chart in terms of how you are rebuilding this thing before you get to that termination. Rake, looking at the division, so Jacksonville beats Dallas yesterday in a remarkable overtime game. Uh, should the Colts feel frustrated that arguably they were a couple steps above Jacksonville as recently as a year ago, and now the Jaguars with the right coaching hire, and obviously they drafted the right quarterback and have a supreme talent there, but should it be frustrating for the Colts that the Jaguars have taken these momentous steps when they have not? You you are putting way too much thought into it, BK. The Colts should be frustrated because they're 4-9-1. and one. End of sentence, full stop. The Colts are not good enough right now to be concerned with anybody else outside of their own building. Hmm. Now, you are obviously always taking stock as to how the Titans are doing, how the Jaguars are doing, how the Texans are doing, because those are the teams you have to beat first to, again, win an AFC South division, which is something the Colts have not not done now for at least a nine-year stretch, uh, even though it is still possible (laughs) mathematically for that to happen. And in case you guys haven't explained this, let me do the math. Here's the one out, amazingly, left for the Colts. <laughs> Gosh. The, the, the Titans would have to lose out. The Jaguars have to lose their next two, then beat the Jaguars the final day of the season, and the Colts would have to win out. That is the one scenario in which the Indianapolis Colts are still a playoff team. That's the reason why there are 14 playoff-eligible teams in the AFC. The only two that have been eliminated are the Denver Broncos, and the Houston Texans. But more to your point, yes, Jacksonville seemingly has finally got some pieces in place and finally has the right quarterback, the right head coach, others around him, etc. But right, this has gone so far off the rails, so quickly for the Indianapolis Colts. There is one team that the Indianapolis Colts need to, need to focus on right now, and that is the team wearing the horseshoes. That would be the Indianapolis Colts. Focus on that, get that better, then you can start worrying about everybody else. Greg, you've covered this team for a long time. You obviously, like you mentioned, been around the post game show for eleven years. You've you've been a part of this city for a long time, so you at least from afar know Jim Irsay and and the type of people that he likes to have around this organization. I said this a couple weeks ago. Maybe the Vikings game is a wake up moment that makes him realize Ballard is not the answer, but. With how he operates, and I know it was fool's gold to an extent to try to read into what he does, but with how he operates over never parting ways with the head coach midseason, he did that this year. Are we too far gone for this offseason to punt on Chris Boward? Like, are we to assume that he still has that belief in Chris Boward, or is that still very much a piece that should be and will be up in the air for the Colts this offseason, the future general manager? I, I still don't think that's determined. I, th- I think that is an, I think that is an end of the. Uh, and again, I'm not sure how much more data you're going to learn uh, about the operation or this team over the next three weeks. But I still think that is under contemplation for Jim Irsay as of this time. Um, and again, it's. I never thought you would make that move um, during the course of the regular season. Um, I, I, I think there's still 21 days before. Any determination like that will be made by Jim Irsay. On a follow-up on that front, uh, a lot of people bash the Jeff Saturday interim naming for a number of different reasons. Uh, is the takeaway that it turns out that coaching experience can help, or is it that this situation was a wild one for anyone to take on to begin with, and 
maybe it's a mix of Saturday in over his head slash also this team is just not good. I think both those things can be true. Okay. Um, again, there, there's a reason why guys have experience to get to this level. That's true. Um, you could have also handed the job to one of the two guys on your staff that had previously been NFL head coaches in Gus Bradley or John Fox, and they may have had the exact same results as Jeff Saturday did because I am very much a believer. And, again, this is cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. It's less about the X's and O's than it is the Jimmys and the Joes. And, again, I just don't know from a talent standpoint if this group as it's constructed is good enough to be amongst the elite teams in the National Football League. Greg Rickshaw on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com. Rake, I got a positive question for you. Tell me about your thoughts about that World Cup ending. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, and, you know, the thing that I kept rattling around in my brain is that the next time that we have an event like that, it's on American soil. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the Women's World Cup is Australia and New Zealand coming up this summer. We hope for great things for the U.S., but it may be the end of a streak of, of, of back-to-back World Cup titles uh, as you know other teams and other nations, especially in Europe, are starting to catch up uh, with the American women. Uh, but the next time you have that big of a global sporting event, the Men's World Cup Final, July of 2026, it'll be somewhere in this country, uh, which is remarkable to say. The fact that this American team won't return intact because things change in three and a half years. But most of the key pieces, pretty much everybody other than Tim Ream, you could say, hey, that guy's coming back in, in three and a half years. You know, This team can make a deep run in the next World Cup. So the overall drama of it was phenomenal. The, the, the human uh, emotion that was involved in it was tremendous. The you know, checking off of the lone career box that Lionel Messi had yet to hit, the fact that he accomplished that yesterday, um, it was wonderful all the way around. We use the word neutral in soccer more so than any other sport in terms of referring to fans. Well, there was probably about 5 billion neutrals around the world that loved what happened yesterday, not because Argentina won, but because they saw a classic sporting event. And I'm fortunate to consider myself amongst that group who had a chance to watch it and be amazed at it uh, a little more than 24 hours ago. Rick, I was a part of that group as well, and you're usually my, my go-to in terms of level-headed and, and, and not overreacting to something. You're also, uh, between you and I, the elder statesman, so I want to ask you, in terms of all the World Cups you've seen, did I just watch the greatest World Cup final ever? Certainly think so. Uh, I mean, in, in, in my, you know, my view of it, you know, I think of 94, um, I think of 2006 between Italy and France. Um, you know, the 2018 team was rather lopsided uh, with, with France winning that one. But in terms of, of the caliber of play in the run of play uh, and in the drama of penalty kicks, I don't think there's been any better than the one that we just witnessed. Couldn't agree more. Always appreciate you making time for us, Greg, and look forward to talking to you next week. You got it, fella. Happy holidays, guys. Yeah, Thanks, Happy holidays, Merry to you, Greg. That's Greg Rakestraw. You can follow him on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw, Vice President of the ISC Sports Network, Voice of the Indy 11, and post-game host for the Indianapolis Colts Radio Network. Brendan King, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, all here in studio. Happy to bring you as much as we can in regards to the debacle that was Colts-Vikings on Saturday. If you'd like to join that conversation and be a part of it, any frustrations you need to air on the Colts, 
give us a call, 317-239-1070. We're take a quick break. We'll take your phone calls as well as discuss more the direction of the Colts and where an area or two they need to have at the top of their draft boards, not just a quarterback, but just big picture for what needs to change for this franchise in April. Jimmy Cook and Brennan King here on The Fan. Brennan King, Jimmy Cook. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Teddy Garrison on Twitter, at Sports at Cook at Garrison underscore. If you'd like to jump on the show, you got some time to do it. 317-239-1070. If you'd like to air your grievances on one Indianapolis Colts franchise, this is truly festivist. I got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about them. And that's what we've been doing all day, Jimmy. We don't have a show on Festivus, so you got to yeah, get that while you can. Yeah, on Thursday. Yep. You yeah, got to uh, celebrate it. It's tough, Jimmy. Little little Iron Man from Eddie Garrison coming out of the break. Uh, Tony Stark can't fix this. There's no there's no there's no hope of fixing this season. Darn it. I know. I know. Even in a cave with a box of scraps, Tony Stark can't put the Colts back together. No. Again, here's no my here's my problem, guys. Uh, you had a great first half, but you don't blow a 33-point lead. You, you don't blow a 30-what? The Vikings. And, they had us in the first half, not going to lie. Truly. That's exactly what that was. Guys, you, you don't blow a 33-point lead. There, there is quit there. Uh, nobody's better than you in that perspective. These are the best athletes in the world when it comes to on the gridiron, these guys competing. You don't blow a 33-point lead without some form of quitting. I get Dalvin Cook's on that other set. I get Justin Jefferson's on that. I I understand Kirk Cousins went on a heater in the second half. But, Jimmy, there there has to be some sort of quit in that team if you're going to blow a lead to those epic proportions. Yeah, I mean, look, it's... Because I haven't... You and I both haven't. We've not played at that high a level. And never will. Never will. so, So I... I have a hard time just th- casting stones and saying, "Oh, that guy." But but I believe you can get broken, and that in turn leads you to quit. I, like, like there's a difference between between me laying down and just getting physically broken, which is what the Vikings did to them. That, that, again, it's it's a uh, phonetic difference, but it's not. Or, or, or uh, we're getting lost in semantics with that. I agree with you, but that's also Brandon. What the they've never done it to that point, but that's just kind of what the Colts are right now. They're not a good football team. The idea that they were sold to be a contender in this division to start the season was fool's gold at the time. And the further we've got along this train of this is the week we turn around, this is the week we turn around. Frank Reich's the problem. Let's get rid of him. Bring in Jeff Saturday. Beat the Raiders. All right. This is where the train keeps chugging. Train has crashed about six times. It's been robbed. <laughs> All kinds of tragedies happened to this Jeff Saturday train that was supposed to kind of save the season. And I, do I feel bad for Jeff to an extent? Yeah, because I mean, I understand he took this job and he took it to pursue a career in coaching, but I'm not hiring him. No, Jimmy. I, and, and, and and it's just, it's, it's so maddening to me that this is the state of the franchise and you have, th- like, BK, if you didn't show it yesterday... If at some point backbone didn't arrive, like I feel for you if you're a Colts fan 
and I know we're going to do it because it's our job, but I feel if you're a Colts fan trying to gut through these final three weeks of the season. Jimmy, because it's not going to get any better. To be fair, I don't think they started the second half and were like, well, come and get us, right? Right. 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 Come score 33. Right. But after the first couple touchdowns, and I think James Boyd brought it up. When Justin Jefferson scored to bring it within Hit two, the gritty. Hit the gritty on 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 the gilly lock of Stephon Gilmore. What, what, that route was nasty. Nasty. Oh, was. No, I mean, that that's just a better player uh, yeah, at, at, yeah, that, at mean, that point. But when he scored, I truly believe on that sideline, somebody said, here we go again. You, you see it in playoff games. You see it in a variety of different areas. The Colts were the beneficiaries of that uh, during the Andrew Luck era. If, if you were again at different stakes, obviously different stakes, but it happened to Kansas City in Lucas Oil Stadium. They had a big lead. It was like, wow, man, out of the gate. Like They don't want a playoff game at that point. They still had a drought going on. And then the wheels started to unhinge because Andrew Luck and a, and a solid Colts team came down the field and drive after drive, cut away, cut away, cut away, wind up winning that game. Colts are on the other end now, where it's like, oh, we don't have all the shiny toys and the nice weapons and the and the quarterback that's going to stabilize things and keep things afloat for us. Yeah, it felt like if that was an actual playoff game, because you see top seeds sometimes fall apart early. It's like, oh man, this big deficit. And then they come back. Like That's the vibe it had, was the Colts were... Like, legit, man, we can play with this team. And then it's like, no, you're not supposed to be able to play with this team. You're going to collapse in on yourself. And that's exactly what happened. Phone lines are buzzing. 317-239-1070. Let's go right down the line. Tony, what do you got? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, man. Good. Hey, I think Jeff Saturday is doing a great job. Hey, I mean, let's face it. This guy knows that Matt Ryan gives us the best chance of losing there is. <laughs> I mean, you want the draft pick, Tony. You you want to draft number one? Exactly. I mean, he's doing a great job. If not going into the fourth quarter yesterday, there'd have been a quarterback change. If there would been, if we would have any hope of winning, there would have been a quarterback change. I just think he's doing a great job, and uh, I just think it's, uh, I think it's phenomenal, man. He he knows that we don't have a chance with Matt Ryan at quarterback, so. I think Matt Ryan should be our quarterback the rest of the year. Tony, appreciate the phone call. Uh, I mean, is it the most epic tank in no. NFL history? I know. No. I, I know. I, I, I can't I look. Look, there, there's a difference between what the 76ers did over a four-year span in Philadelphia where it's kind of widely known. I would argue, and I, you and I joked about it last week, right? Don't change your thing, Colts. Pick's going to come. Don't worry about it. Keep doing what you're doing. You'll be fine. You'll get that top pick. Don't don't need to change a thing. It'd be different if, like earlier in the year, when there was still the idea of, hey, we can go make the playoffs, and this is still a playoff team, and they made the change even though he was hurt. They went to Ellinger, and Reich announced him as, this is the guy the rest of the year. That was Reich's comment that obviously was washed away once Reich was let go. That, to me was the threshold of we want to see what this guy has, but we know, honestly speaking, we're not a playoff team anymore. We're just looking towards the future. That was more of an intentional tank of pulling him. Now at this point, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't need to change anything. Matt Ryan out there, maybe Jeff Saturday said a week ago he gives us the best chance to win. I, I refuse to play these games of, and I know you and I are just joking. I'm sure that caller was just joking as well. Jeff Saturday's not sitting there and leaving a cushy, analyst job on ESPN to come back here and embarrass himself week in and week out. So no, I don't I don't think so. But yeah. 
Aaron, do you have a legitimate thought for us, Aaron? My goodness. Man, my shadow could play better than they did on Saturday. <laughs> you know, for the rest of his life, Matt Ryan is going to be known as the guy that gave up the two biggest scores in the Super Bowl and regular season NFL history. And he took over the record from his coach that got fired. How many quarterbacks have you ever known try to do a quarterback sneak less than a foot and a half by turning backwards? Man, you cannot have Ned Flanders as your quarterback no longer. You know, this is 2022, people. I do not know why Indianapolis continue to try to buck the system, go against the grain, but we know it better than anybody else. This is a copycat league. You cannot continue to have the quarterback of the 60s and 70s just standing back there stiff as a board that cannot scramble. Yes, the arm is good, but the legs are just as great with the arm. You know, Peyton Manning slash Johnny Unitas is not coming through that door, people. We got to get somebody with some athleticism. Look at what uh, what's his name is going with Chicago? Fields. I mean, just eating them alive. I'm not saying everybody's got to be like him. You know, Josh Allen. Look at him. Well, he's reckless with it. He won't last long. But you've got to have somebody that can move. This town got to stop living in the days of the Waltons when it comes to our athletes. You know, we need somebody for real. I appreciate you, Aaron. I appreciate you, sir. I, li- I like the take. I totally agree with you. And it sounds like he wants what you and I want, BK, which is that it- it's it's time to go get your guy. All the quarterbacks that he just referenced, minus the – I mean, look, I-, I understand that I'm on Patrick Mahomes' side of the Mahomes-Allen debate, but I don't know if I'm saying that he's you know, not going to be around much longer. But neither here nor there. All the quarterbacks he listed off were drafted quarterbacks. Kevin Bowen has made this a point on Kevin's Corner and here on Kevin and Query that of – I can't remember the stat. Eddie might know it. But of the teams that are playoff teams right now, it's like over 80% of the teams have a quarterback they drafted guiding them to the playoffs. And I think Tannehill was – was Tannehill the only holdout? Is that right? Tannehill is the only holdout. Okay. Then that might be gone if the Jaguars catch them. So, yeah, that 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 is – the path that everybody has to go down is at some point you got to stop putting on the band-aid. I will give a devil's advocate to all of this. To which part? Drafting a young quarterback. Okay. The Colts, I love Colts fans. I, I, I love Colts fans. I love the passion. I'm a guy that has come from a big city down here. I, I love the passion of Colts fans. One thing you got to live with, though, if you go to the young route, you got to live with growing pains. And that's one thing that you have not experienced starting all these veterans over the last five or six years. If you want a Fields, if you want an Allen, if you want one of these big dudes, unless, Jimmy, he comes in and plays like Patrick Mahomes, which is not going to happen, you have to live with growing pains. Versus right now where you're just experiencing pain. Correct. And and, and that's but, again, to your point, you, you but to your point, but, the expectations get reset across the board. Right, but I'm just saying, this is, not a, this is not a fan base or an organization that has showed a lot of patience over the years, which they shouldn't show a lot of patience when it comes to the quarterback mistakes, but you got to live with a young guy making mistakes when that happens. We're back to the lines. Here's Sean. What do you got, Sean? Hey, how's it going? I'm out in San Francisco. Been out here 16 years, but from Indianapolis and bleed blue. Love it. Uh, anyways, I want to say I agree with you guys about Saturday, but I want to talk about the draft because everybody wants to run to CJ and Bryce. 
but I don't feel like their generation talents, and I'm thinking left tackle is better. If we're sitting at four or five, why not we grab that Paris Johnson at Ohio State or something and put us a big block out there in the left tackle and go for somebody like Tanner McGee out of Stanford, six foot six, big arm, and you know, but get a bridge quarterback maybe to help him out, whatever we do. But I just think we have more holes than just that, and I just did not see a generational talent in this draft at quarterback. What do you guys think? Sean, appreciate the phone call. We'll have you hang up and listen. I, I, I agree with that take. If that's, if that's the boat you're going to hang on, we had Dane Brugler on last week, and the thought is that Paris Johnson is a generational left tackle, not a, not a multi-million dollar making guard, a left tackle that is going to protect your quarterback asset for the future. My problem is, and this is what Rakestraw talked about earlier, is that maybe not generational, but the thought is, unlike last year's draft, that if you were to take one of these quarterbacks, I'm not saying that you're finding the next Peyton Manning in this draft by any means, but the upside on the quarterbacks available in round one, at least perceived anyway, and around from Brugler's conversations is much higher than it was last year. I don't think you're getting a Kenny Pickett as much as you're getting a, a like you mentioned, BK, a, a growing pain prospect that could turn into something nice. I just have zero faith that they're going to draft a left tackle. I, the, the amount of opportunities that they've had to do so, and you know what Sean you, said, with Johnson. Like if if you were told the Bowers no, going to do it, would you be I, mad? I, I appreciate Sean's sentiment, and you know I, I love that Sean, San Francisco guy bringing up a Stanford kid. I mean, got to got to stay sure, true to sure, home, sure. Sean. I love it, but uh, I, Jimmy, this organization has passed on drafting positions that they have needed in the past to draft on other things that the front office seems to value more but this is a case where you just got to draft an arm it, it there's no other way around I, you could find a left tackle in the second round but you just got to go get an arm right if you don't you're going to be laughed at even more by this league because of decisions you've made in the past that haven't worked, and if you pass on a guy, he ends up working out. It's just going to work. It's going to go even worse for you. I don't disagree with you, but your devil's ad- advocate argument earlier: if you're worried about the growing pains and you don't like what's out there, I'm not worried about the no, growing. No, I, pains. I mean, I, I understand. I poor pronoun. If they or the Colts in general, not just the fan base, but the Colts are worried, which you can't be for running a franchise. You can't be worried about the growing pains. But if that's an area that you're, you don't, I still don't want them to take a guy just for taking a guy. I want whoever is running this team, whether it's Bauer or whether it's insert GM here, I want them and their scouting department to believe in the quarterback that they're taking. I don't want you to take one just for the sake of, yay, we did it. Like, I I want true belief in that. Would I take Bryce Young or would I take C.J. Stroud comfortably? Yes, absolutely. But I'm not running the team. They have to go out and make that decision. And ultimately, if they don't, Bauer or not, in my instance, it's not. New general manager. If he doesn't believe that Young and Stroud or or Levis are it, and you want to go find an answer on this team that's playing this team at left tackle, go do it. That's fine. I'm not mad about it. I wouldn't do it, but I'm not going to burn the town down. Fan base might, but I won't. Before we break, I want to get to Mike's phone call. He's been on hold for 10 minutes. What do you got, Mike? I think I'm the only person in Indiana that believes from the beginning that Jeff Saturday was never brought in here to be the coach next year, or he was brought in as I call it a mole to that Ursay trusts him to tell him every single player, especially offensive linemen, defensive linemen that belongs there in the future. Hmm. And then he's going to move up in the offices after this year and the draft position will take care of itself. Mike, thank you. I, I, 
actually wrote something like that, Jimmy, right when they brought on Saturday, my initial thought was Jim doesn't trust anybody in the building and he wants to bring on somebody he trusts to tell him his honest opinion of the organization. And it's less about coaching. But he does trust Ballard. He said it Are you publicly. Sure? He said it publicly. He fight. He said he loved Frank Reich, then fired him two weeks later. Okay, Jimmy. that part's great. But Ballard has been the stone that stayed. Ballard has been the foundational. Because BK, if you're mad at both of them, you get rid of them both when you fired Reich. Yeah. <sighs> if you're a guy that doesn't make midseason changes ever, and you finally do it. You have to be able to see that it's not just a coaching issue with this team. It's the way they're built. From the ground up, they are a flawed team. I've always thought of Jim as like the Wizard of Oz type <laughs> character that nobody knows what he truly is until you walk in there. Sure. Right? So I, I don't, I, I mean, we could spew takes all day, Jimmy, but we don't know at the end of the day. I, that no, was you're just, right. We don't. That, I, all we can go off is what I, he said. I, I just, God, it, it's just hard because in no way, why should you trust this guy? When his plan has just continued to poop on itself year after year. I'm not in the battle. To be clear, you know, you're just asking that to the masses. No, I'm, that's the, I'm not I'm, in the battle. I'm not asking here. you. I told no. you I would have gotten rid of him months ago. But the only reason I can think of is that he survived the first axe swing. At what point is enough enough for Jim Irsay? I don't know. Only he can answer that. But... BK, you talk about growing pains, and we talk about whether you're taking a left tackle or a quarterback. Again, I'm in the quarterback camp, but I would get if someone's like, oh, yeah, this is a, a foundational piece that's going to protect your quarterback of the future for years to come. I'm fine with that. Do you ultimately trust Chris Boward to lead the next iteration of the Colts and rebuild this thing? I don't. I don't think you do. Does Jim say? Who knows? My answer is absolutely not. We've got some bets for you after the break. We'll close this thing out on a Monday. Appreciate the phone calls. Back next, 93.5, The Fan. Eddie Van Halen was a bad dude in a good way. That's who I was named after. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Wow. It's parents, awesome. Parents big, at least my dad, Van Halen fans, and I'm Eddie. My brother's name is Michael. My sister's name is... Alexis. The the, full, we got the full band going. The more you know, boys, the more you know. Jimmy, you going to win us some money today? I could try to. Okay. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Just keeping it simple today for Monday Night Football. Going to take Christian Watson as an anytime touchdown scorer and also going to take Aaron Jones as an anytime touchdown scorer. Both those for the pack as they host the Rams and the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. 9-9 nine and nine last week. Plays on Twitter at the J. Cook. BK, anything in the world of hockey? Anything in the world of basketball? I'm not trying to pigeonhole you with hockey, but that's where you've... Yeah, Started the week I, hot last week. No, I, I feel like I should be just the hockey guy. Okay. Because you guys win enough money when it mm. comes to other sports. I closed the week pretty cold, even though we got screwed <laughs> on a Patrick Kane. I gave you the over under three and a half shots on goal. He had ended up finishing with three shots, but to end the game, he got his stick on a puck in front, literally missed it. <laughs> That's tough. And it would have been the fourth shot. That is tough. To end the game. At the net. Uh, I don't blame you. Alex, you're yeah. the victim here. I am the victim. Uh, but Patrick Kane brought me happiness with three Stanley Cups, so it's okay. Uh, Alex Ovechkin is a goal away from tying Gordie Howe for second all time. He scored his 800th in Chicago on a hat trick the other day. So you can get Ovi as plus 100, even money to score one goal. That's the pick I'll give you. 
but he is plus 470 to score two goals, Ooh. and he needs two goals to become the NHL's second all-time leading goal scorer. I'm not going to give you the two, but I'll give you the one plus 100 even money to score a goal. Go ahead, Eddie. I got one play, NBA. Luka Doncic, they're going to take over 30 and a half against Minnesota. Uh, I really like the matchup for Luka. D'Angelo Russell probably going to be defending him or Anthony Edwards, neither of which great defenders. They're allowing the 24th most points in the association. Uh, they're 30th against the three. And as we all know, Luka very, can be very deadly from three. So if he's hitting his threes tonight, he'll cruise over 30 and a half total points. Thanks for the good job on the Donovan Mitchell pick the other day. Yeah, I, during the break, I know we were like half joking before leading up. I was like, take the... We literally brought it up. Take 40 plus for Donovan, and I didn't think he'd actually get there. I was waiting by the phone Friday for the apology on Eggs Benny over easy. It's okay. I, I forgive did. you. It's not a problem. I, I apologize. I mean, it should bring I, you I happiness, said, though. I also said, thank, you better thank those officials, man. Got eight free throws in one quarter. It was a, the other three. Uh, I'll tell you what, boys. It was a bad weekend to be a zebra. Across the board. Everywhere. Across you the mean board. an official, right? Not the animal? Well, I, I've never experienced being a zebra. It's an important distinction, for sure. <laughs> Tomorrow, we're going to have more from... You know that zebras don't have the stripes on their actual body, too? Or is it... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. You brought me into this area that I don't feel comfortable. I don't know. No idea. Uh, tomorrow, more Colts. Mike Chappell going to join us. Thanks to Don Fisher, James Boyd, Greg Rigstraw joining us this afternoon. John is next. Jimmy and Brendan out.